0: So much for listening. This is a value for value uh, podcast, a role playing game podcast as well. It's got four different shows. In fact, this is the round table version of that, based off of the tarot card, which signifies pleasurable round table engagements. This particular iteration of the six of swords, which is a art, spirituality, and healing show, which then the next week is the six of cups, and then a live value for value whatever you get out of this show it's your job to turn that into your time your talent or in most cases treasure in this case Uh, write a note uh send that in we're going to be giving some uh producer credits uh, at the mid of this show for everyone who's donated and we will be reading some of their comments and notes. In fact, uh, thank you so much to all those who have been uh, donating more. This is uh, one of the three jobs that I have as a musician, artist, and writer. Oh, wait, did I do that? Excuse me. <laughs> I can do that better, right? So actually, uh, the way in this case you could also do is mu- musician, author, and uh, well, yeah, I guess writer. I guess artist. And really figured out the podcaster in the M.A.W. Why well, is that important? Well, get around to that another time. Let's get into the show a little bit further. <laughs> you can see I'm quite ponderous, even with my own self. Uh, the mystery, the curiosity, the mystery at the heart of it all. I'm going to get into this episode a bit sideways. wasn't quite sure how I would do this introduction. I know, of course, I want to make it clear that I consider myself in line with and a version of and maybe even perhaps your own personal doctor amp doing the vamp for liberty and life and light and love of course you'll see all the shows that are shining there i hope to provide and bring to everything that i do no matter whether it's anything with uh fan communities related to any of the shows that we've touched on since hellier or fringe or twin peaks to any of the music or even the movies or any of these uh Even a more abstruse concept, like liberty-based aspects of our community. And when I say community, the community is like no agenda, right? That's everyone. So basically, it's whoever has um, skin in this game and has us in part of your value mindset, right? We're part of your value block, as it were. And that's just a responsible way to put it. But uh, if you want to donate, let's get into that so you can figure out how to keep that currency flowing. We're going to start accepting uh, Bitcoin as well as Lightning Pay. And uh, we're going to really step on up into the podcast in 2.0. Uh, Really just gonna start evolving the show even more even though as Picasso says and no one ever called Pablo Picasso an asshole not in New York You'll know that there's gonna be a www.occultfan.com Donate button you can hit but yeah um, It's like uh, it's that easy basically just keep the time talent and treasure flowing in through and out, you know (laughs) And if uh, if you appreciate what you hear here, it's a unique thing. I can't really explain I'm, I cannot uh, sprain it. I mean, I'm not going to uh, sprain it. I'm just doing it. And, um, you know, as far as uh, what I hope to offer is a golden shovel. That's, uh, that's a Sprechenzy Twin Peaks. It makes a lot of sense to me as someone who is very uh, deeply, intimately um, engaged and responsive to the mysteries of life and how we are here. And uh, I'll bring back around to. <laughs> Somehow we got around to Roadrunner. My dad randomly mentioned Jonathan. Was it Goldman to me? I forget his name right now. So random though. Anyways, excuse me. I'm getting on the uh, on the uh, on the tertiary before we have even begun with the uh, the primary. So I wasn't quite sure how to start this in a dreamy enough fashion because I am a Pisces rising. I'm gonna start with this quote because I think it really sets the tone for our conversation and why um when i look at things with an alchemical Jungian, however you will uh mind (laughs) uh you're gonna see that like uh you know here's here's where we all start right before we even begin uh in this case uh know we're talking about Twin Peaks but uh, you know uh, before we even get in it's uh, the mystical is not how the world is but that it is that's uh, a little bit Wittgenstein of course let me just finish what I'm saying about the uh, shows if you donate to the show that goes into another account I uh, everything tallies up and you get to use that in a value-for-value role-playing game which is the third show the six of wands and uh, that is the third week and we do that mostly the third Sunday of the month And you participate as one of four the top four donors in the month get uh, top dibs to this and you get to buy uh, potions and phoenix downs and even items and defense armors and different uh, categories of weapons for the different uh, four characters you can embody in this game the knight the thief the black mage and the white mage and uh, we'll have more and more growing as this goes forward i look forward to moving that into the actual uh, digital space in the sense of making it into a game so people who are listening to this and uh who understand exactly where we're at um you know part of the golden shovel that i hope to bring to uh the world right because we're using twin peaks nomenclature is my show as well as uh speaking of six of discs and digging yourself out of the shovel your way uh, shovel, shovel yourself out of the shit right so that's uh if you if you have shit shovel yourself out of it that's one of the uh lessons of any kind of white lodge-minded uh aspect right you know be sufficient in yourself and generate to give to others that kind of stuff so uh let's get into the show um we're we're not going to make this too long of an introduction but uh i will say that i'm very grateful for uh, both laura and scott coming on they did a great job and uh, also the final show is also the six of discs and uh, you can find out more about that we have the six of swords discord this was a very Piscean uh, introduction. We're going to get into the show. Um, I want those of you to uh, listen to the few things I'm going to read at the top of the show, but I hope you understand that, uh, yeah, this is a special kind of uh, pop culture show. We like doing these. And, uh, you know, thank you for uh, tuning into the Six of Cups. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fire Walk with Me. Hey, welcome back to the six of cups. The six of cups is the pleasurable round table in this case about pop culture and all things that you find enjoyable to talk about. We bring the most interesting souls in the realm together. And I think by the end of this, you'll see that I did okay this evening. But uh, this is the Six of Swords's sister show, and by way of doing things at the top of the show, the Six of Swords is a show about art, spirituality, and healing, and that's a one-on-one. And then we have the Six of Cups, which is next week, or this week now, and it's the Round Table Pleasurable. And then the Six of Wands, which is the live role-playing game, which I guide four different characters, and you get to play, and the money you donate to the show goes into your account on that, and that's the Six of Wands live role-playing game. And then the six of discs is the solo show I do. And then it's all over again. And uh, I want you to know that if you get anything out of the show, it is a value for value show. That means whatever you want, your time, talent, and treasure. What did you get out of it? Turn that into a number. And then you go over to occultfan.com and hit the donate button, or just go over to PayPal and enter occultfan and gmail into your send. Whatever you get, uh, we've been getting a lot of twenty-two, two twos, literally twenty-two dollars, twenty-two cents, eleven, elevens. A popular is a thirty-three, thirty-three. Anything that you want to give, whatever this is, I am grateful. You'll get shoutouts, and your notes will get read. Now, I think my guests have just grown a few years older as I've read the introduction, but I want to make sure that you know how to donate, and that's over at occultfan.com. If you get anything out of this, please do. Otherwise, I'm going to start ladies first. We have Laura from 25 Years Later, and all the Twin Peaks fans know that site already, and it takes all sorts of fan forms. Laura, thank you so much for coming on to the Six of Cups to talk about Twin Peaks this evening.
1: No problem, it's great to be here. Thank you.
0: And uh, I also have Scott Ryan over of the Blue Rose fame, but he's, that's his more modern. He's also been at Twin Peaks work for, you've done the Yeoman's fan work, I'd say, Scott, that's a quick enough introduction. Hello, and thank thank you. you.
2: Thank you for having me. And I I couldn't be more excited that Laura Stewart is my (laughs) co-guest out of all of the world of Twin Peaks. I love Laura so much. She's the sweetest, um, so supportive.
1: And
2: mm-hmm. just meeting her at the UK Fest has mm. just brought me nothing but pleasure. What did you say? If they get anything out of this, if I had to pay Laura what I've gotten out of me-
0: knowing her, I'd be broke. Oh, and thank you both for being here tonight. I can tell that this is going to be a fun conversation, and that we all yes. we uh, our hearts don't need to be fixed. So I think we can stay alive for the entire show.
1: <laughs>
0: oh goodness. Well, uh, let's start off with something. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. Obviously, this is this is this is the place to start. We're gonna start at the beginning, <laughs> pilot episode. This is like if I could say Twin Peaks, in a in a just a moment. What I want to hear both your hot takes, Laura, if you'd like to go, and then Scott, if it's all right with both of you. Um, the guy in the hallway closing his locker and then. <laughs> <he's moving. laughs> That guy, that is Twin Geeks in a moment. It is. I just yeah. want to hear what you guys think about that character to start this show off tonight.
1: Well, nobody knows who he is, do they? I don't think anybody knows who that actor is, still. Really? <laughs> it's never been mentioned. I think he was. I don't think he was real. <laughs> he, he was from uh, another dimension, probably. <laughs>
0: I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna actually deny that possibility. That would be the (laughs) ultimate answer to that. It really would kind of be just like appear from the White Lodge and just like, hey, all right, see you later. Gotta
1: have a dance. That's a good answer. Does
0: does he really not, is he really unknown as far as the actor goes?
2: Well... I hate to give you the scoop because obviously Laura and I are in the business of breaking Twin Peaks news. But I actually was that guy that did that dance. That's me. That was where I got my start. And uh, David Lynch just said, why don't you do something a little crazy? And he didn't know who he was talking to. So I I mean, I did the dance, okay? I don't want to make a big deal about it. I try not to talk about it all the time. Um, it's kind of funny that you would bring up that moment because that moment, the moment for me that happened in the pilot is close to that same time, but it it wasn't really there. It was the girl Mm -hmm. who ran across the courtyard Mm -hmm. screaming. Mm. That moment really sat on me and I kind of thought even all the way up to 2017 I thought I was the only one that that mattered but then when David used that Mm -hmm. in the only in part one Mm -hmm. opening credits um, what I remember specifically about that is that I watched it at my girlfriend's house and her dad was in the room and when that girl screamed and ran he got up and left he said this is crap (laughs) because I think it was too emotional for television at that time Mm -hmm. but to me I thought oh my gosh this is a whole world you know which is kind of what you're getting at with that guy even the background players Mm -hmm. are going to be interesting
3: yeah
0: I think that's a great that's a great point and also um that is very iconic that screeching moment and if you look that's the same direction um like it's going backwards like as far as like signifying positive growth going forwards on how you can put angles on a lens to signify you know motion she's going Mm. kind of like in a jagged backwards motion which is like tearing almost interesting
1: yeah
0: i don't know i'm just being poetic god someone say
3: something
1: oh my god what did i do i think it's so impactful because we don't ever find out who she is but she was that affected by Laura like everybody was that affected by Laura's death even though we don't know who she was or if she meant anything to her at all she was obviously Laura was well known enough that it would have that effect on everyone in the school or you know Everybody Excellent was sad. Point. The principal cried. Everybody you know, everyone was sad about it. You
2: thought about it. Well, well that's and exactly. think about that. We just <laughs> talked about two characters that have no lines and never mm-hmm. appear in the series again. And we're still thinking about them mm-hmm. all these years later. I mean, that's 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 what Twin Peaks is.
0: It's mm-hmm. so it's so mysterious, and that's that's really you know David's golden thing that he. I think they actually, and I, I don't want to like throw everything in front because I read in your book that um, or one of the books that you guys published, Mark Frost says one of the secrets of his craft is to not give everything away at once, mm-hmm. and I don't know how that's possible with this, so I don't <laughs> think we have to worry about <laughs> that at all, but. <laughs> I want to say that I feel like I'll say it. That I feel like they redeemed that mystery a little bit, like what Mark Frost did, especially with the secret history. Uh, please let me know if I start to like get too far away from the light here. <laughs> um, I have all the Blue Rose magazines and most of the books <laughs> you guys have published to hand right over here. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Oh <Honestly. laughs> no, 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 you guys, you did Scott in in twenty five as well. Scott you've done something I words are not good enough so <laughs> anyways I'll, I'll say like you know you do I, I found out a lot about Mark from reading um those conversations and this book makes a lot more sense now uh mm-hmm. reading his interest and how he used to actually write letters back and forth about the JFK mm-hmm. you're like is that David being no that's that's Mark's yes. DNA yeah um sorry I didn't mean to um I wanted to say that what he basically did with this is he made it so that anyone can take their own conclusions away. Mm-hmm. And I think, like uh, Kintsugi using gold to heal something, he almost reclaimed. And I want to hear your takes on this. I mm-hmm. think he almost reclaims David's lost golden secret that he didn't want to give. What do you guys mm-hmm. think about that? Laura, if you wouldn't mind starting us <laughs> off. Um,
1: I said, I was thinking. Uh, about the different chapters of the book and thinking yeah that, that mark frost has kept the same what we got from twin peaks seasons one and two is that you could take and you could it could be a religious thing it could be a, an aliens thing it could be a, a you know secret agents thing it's all of those things com- comprised together isn't it and and i think it's get yeah, it's some a, a mulch of them all <laughs> you can still i think he's kind of brought that back because I don't. we didn't really get that with season three I don't think but the books do give us that and and I love the books I really love them I know I'm not a bust on the <laughs> final dossier, but um but the secret history I really love
0: thank you that's a great that's a that's that says we're going to touch on a few things that you said there mm-hmm. but um Scott would you uh give your uh take on it please
2: you know my take on the secret history, I, it, I, it's unlikely that anybody else has this feeling, but I'm gonna tell you what the secret history of Twin Peaks is about to me, okay. Fox News. Okay. I believe that Mark Frost, and, and if you follow his Twitter, you can see mm-hmm. that he is very political and he mm-hmm. is very liberal leaning. And I think that that was his way to confront what happens when the narrator is untrustworthy and he he hides it through so many things that go through that whole book you know down to the date of the um moon landing that's mm-hmm. off and there's all kinds of what when when you're first reading it if you just take it by oh these words have to mean what i'm reading you're like oh my gosh he made a million mistakes in here mm-hmm. i don't think mark frost made any mistakes yeah. in that book yeah. i think what he's telling you. I think he's so angry that we just accept what is placed on our plate, yep. mm-hmm. whether it's a steak meal or dog shit right. that we eat it. <laughs> I know what And mean. he wanted to give us a puzzle. And mm-hmm. that is what secret history is to me.
0: Now that may very well be highfalutin, no, but that is honestly what I get out of that book. No, it's definitely a valid, it's a valid and valuable yeah. interpretation. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think like it goes with like, it's probably one of many but I think it's totally one of not mm-hmm. not uh, do not disregard what he said is
1: mm-hmm.
0: my is my understanding um it's an incredible um hot I noticed one thing that you put in the second uh, I believe um Blue Rose which was that even like her age at one point in the book is wrong it's not seven it's not 18 she was 17 at that time so even like the age of something that should be like canon and easily understood and identifiable like that
3: mm-hmm. like
0: um yeah no um I didn't really consider thinking about it that way. And that's gonna give me a whole new way. See that when you hear this, now the show takes on another five years of my life. I mean another.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I'll tell you a few weird things that like my I had a psychic friend of mine tell me, so let this go your distance. But, you know, um, she basically said something at the beginning of this year, which really gave me a nice heartfelt boost. And it was that it's basically only you can do what you're here to do. And I'm like, oh, good. I'm not obsolete. That's that's a nice (laughs) thing. It's a nice (laughs) thing to feel. Well, you know, you can if you can get in that headspace that you matter as far as your soul and your purpose, then it's a good way to live your life every day at the least. And so she says, like, something about this. And I just wanted to say to, like, you guys, especially as, like, you know, peakies who are like, know your material for surezies. Like, my dad is Douglas, and we lived in the town next to Milford. So, like, my life starts. My life starts to. And so, like, you know, I'm glad you said that about the uh, the Fox News thing, because he uses the Freemasons as a plot in there to expose, like, conspiracies and stuff, like, or the conspiracy Mm -hmm. thinking, that is and i'm a freemason myself so like i'm not like someone who's afraid of these things but like my life and something as a typical peaky they'd be like what are those masons i don't know <laughs> about those but like i live this thing so like douglas milford i'm a mason like these weird things weave themselves through me itself and i mean like I'd be looking forward to in 25 years later from now when we see what the DNA of the story of Twin Peaks does to our culture. If you're picking, Mm. if you're seeing what I'm saying, like through that liminal state, I'm sorry if that's a little obtruse, but. I'm so I'm trying well, to speak. I
2: have a question for you. When you say that your dad is Douglas, is he Douglas in The Secret History or Douglas in season 2 of Twin Peaks? <laughs> um,
0: or 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 Dougie Jones from the right? <laughs> Yeah. Um which then we had an actual senator named Douglas Jones pop up out of nowhere. So I mean, right you know, I, that's that this life is more akin to a dream, I'd say, like if we're jumping the shark <laughs> on the conversation, just a, this is what it is. It's it's a manifestorial agent of some kind. And I, I don't have better eight words for that. But um yeah, uh, Douglas Douglas Jones. So to answer your question, my dad was a business guy who worked for Bose. And then um and apparently they were working on free energy behind the scenes there. And then he ended up becoming a pastor. So he's a Lutheran pastor now. I don't know. I think I'm trying to
1: okay. you take, your pick. take <laughs> okay. your pick. That's a
0: big jump. That, oh, my God, it is. Right. <laughs> Sorry, enough about, but um, I want to simply put the, like, my life, like, there's a lot of examples I could give, like, a lot. But, like, I'm reading this and, like, things I'm like, my God, that's, that's, it's really weird. But I um, think a
1: lot of people get that with Twin Peaks, I they would find think- something that is very, uh, well, they- especially, I think, for women. Um, so what have
0: you got? Like, go there. Uh,
1: well, I suppose, oh, I was called Laura. I know. Well, <laughs> Growing up yeah, big old yeah. Laura. But I know that's not nothing Um But I think when I was a kid, being, I didn't know anyone else called Laura at the time. So when I watched, Laura Palmer was the first person I ever saw on TV with the same name as me. And she was cool. Well, she was yeah. in a cool show. So that was kind of... She was, um, but
3: <laughs> she was, cool. It's
0: a younger girl. She was like yeah. the bad girl, kind of like yeah.
1: Know. I mean, I we didn't that. know anything about her from well, season one and two, really, did we? It was Fire Walk with Me. And Fire Walk with Me. Way before I was, because I was eleven when I saw Twin Peaks for the first time. So, um and it was actually my dad that got me into it. Weirdly, he loved Julie Cruz, and so he wanted to watch the this show just because of the music. And so we stayed up on a, I think it was a Tuesday night in the UK, it was on way after it was on in America. And um, uh, we'd obviously heard it was a, a really good show. So we yeah, so we stayed up on a Tuesday night, and it was probably the only sort of father-daughter thing I've ever done. <laughs> Properly yeah. like that. It was really nice. Pretty cool. I have
2: to ask you a question. I don't mean to take over, but I'm so curious no. about this. Your dad <laughs> knew Julie Cruz before Twin Peaks? Like, how? Yeah, I mean, yeah. my dad's I
1: really... Before, no. <laughs> I don't know how he had, but he loves that kind of music. He's always really loved that music. He's always Gone to jazz clubs. He's always been that guy. So yeah, he he heard. That's of, a good question, heard. Scott.
0: Um, was he? I into, don't know how. <laughs> was he into the cocktail <laughs> Twins as well?
1: He, well, my brothers were. My brothers oh, were my very God. much. Brothers, well, and I but yeah Definitely. any of that stuff but my i was brought up by my brother's great taste in music thankfully my goth brothers okay
0: so i, I gotta god because tried. scott struck gold here what's um what are some great goth bands that we should check out like let's add a little and i'll ask scott the same question <laughs> no, you please. will not ask me about goth bands i can tell you that i'm, I'm about to do it like <laughs> set the countdown set the countdown all right laura you go first
1: oh my god um oh what like newish ones you um, newish well actually there's a load of really good bands coming out of the uk mm-hmm. at the moment i think um Dits, they're really good they're kind of grungy gothy and sugar horse and i really love this band called the psychotic monks who are french which, that sounds yeah, it's super kind cool. of <laughs> yeah bit joy division but and it's all very heavy and bleak that's the, that's the kind so it's of like so it's like mogwai
0: almost or something like that then mm,
1: it's heavier than that um a lot heavier um i'm trying to think of who it m- might be like i suppose maybe a bit more fugazi that kind of thing um but he- heavier than that i guess <laughs> post-punk kind of stuff yeah there's lots of good stuff now,
0: thank you <laughs> scott can i still ask you about this? you're not gonna <laughs> yell at me now can i have- no
1: i'm just saying i have
2: never in my life listened to god <laughs> i'm a broadway baby um so I'm, I'm gonna tell uh, I'm gonna connect Twin Peaks though. I, I mean, I've had a I've been so fortunate to interview a lot of of amazing Twin Peaks people, and it would be ridiculous to pick my favorite moment. But one of them in the top three would be that I was interviewing Julie Cruz okay. and we got on the subject of Broadway. I don't remember how, and she was in. A Stephen Sondheim musical called A Little Night Music and Stephen Sondheim is my favorite composer and what you know my goes to my that I would say that's my bible that is my guiding light is Sondheim lyrics and she said to me hey sing the song every day a little death which is a song from that musical and i did and she started singing with me and i was thinking in my head like <laughs> i'm the only twin peaks person that could interview <laughs> her that could bust yeah. out Sondheim's every day a little death and according to her she thinks the baseline is basically falling being the theme song to twin peaks and she wanted me to sing it and then she was singing mm-hmm. falling And I actually disagreed with her. I don't think they're that similar. But (laughs) I got to sing a Sondheim song with Julie Cruz. Mm -hmm. And that was
1: about, you know, I mean, it's up there.
2: It's in the top three moments. Really great. One of
1: my biggest regrets is not doing a duet with Scott. <laughs> if you guys switch <laughs> to
0: you could do, do a little quick line uh, right now. I'm not going to get i
1: definitely on.
0: not
2: I'll enough. start off. I'll start off.
3: <laughs> Just singing. you. No. And no, no. I. Forever. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> <laughs> in love.
1: I
0: mean I go
3: on. Just, that was turning whisper, into a like Maddie like, and
1: didn't actually make any noise. Sing,
3: sing with, <laughs> so us.
0: Sing really with right. us, sing with us.
1: Sing <laughs> with us. Scott,
0: no. Scott, start us up one last time. No. Oh, you got Sorry,
1: it. I wish <laughs> I'd never said it now. <laughs> yeah,
0: you got it. You got it. Um, no.
1: but the, it was a very
2: cool <laughs> moment. And so while I I cannot uh
0: I cannot help with goth bands. That's I, I, I think do you know made up, up more than high musicals. You made up more than dually, I would say, And I heard Laura sing. That was that. That was all three of us. Mm. That was good. I heard. It might have been Waldo, but I, I'm going to say. It was, yeah. Might. <laughs> that was lovely. One right, day. So, One day. Well, I got to hear about right. the psychotic monks and a great Julie Cruz story, which is yeah. you, are, you are probably the so Scott. It's like people people get put into positions for the right, you know, you needed to be there. No one, no other key could have fit that lock basically.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were basically in club silencio after turning that blue key.
0: Mm Anyways, I, I don't think the audience will appreciate <laughs> the joke. Let's just let
3: the audience
0: <laughs> not I'm gonna keep walking along. I, I'm very comfortable with people not appreciating my <laughs> jokes. I have no trouble with that. I'm I'm president of that club most days. <laughs> uh, the dues are terrible. No one pays dues in that club.
3: <laughs> I understand.
0: I know it's a problem we all know. Um, so <laughs> let's see here. Let me uh, let me dig into some of the uh the stuff here because Mark Frost um was talking about how his life changed and maybe Scott, you would, you would probably be the one. Let me, let me say this. Um, he had a deep belief in the, or a beliefs a difficult word, but he was deeply interested in theosophy. And that's like a, can, do, can you, why do you guys explain to Peaky's what theosophy is quickly for, because that's a, that's a deep interest of, okay, I'll take that.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I can. Oh, I, 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 it, I, well, I sort of, because I wrote an article about The dweller on the threshold, which Mm. is a lot to do with theosophy. You can never say theosophy. (laughs) I don't know. It was um, well. It was Edward. uh, What's his name? Lytton, wouldn't it? Uh, That Edward Boler Lytton. Yes, that's the the one. Um, He wrote about the dweller on the threshold in his book. Um, Something beginning. He said. Anyway, Um, but yeah, and then it was um, Madame. Blavatsky,
0: Madam um, Helena Blavatsky, yeah, who I'm yeah. definitely not the reincarnation of. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Maybe, maybe. And Annie Besant,
1: really? <laughs> so cool. No, I
0: mean, like, I just, I feel a lot of, you know, like everyone mm. thinks they're the freaking reincarnation of Aleister Crowley. Oh
3: no! But
0: I, I mean, who knows? I was, the joke goes, I was probably just a stable boy or something like that. <laughs> But if I was a stable boy, I hope I said as you wish, and that's enough of <laughs> that. All right, I went, I went out. I went out there. I brought it back in. Um, so I guess like, yeah. Um, one of the one of the biggest things that we find is like his interest in like. The other world is not just like something that's fleeting. This is like the warp and woof of the Twin Peaks universe, and um, I guess maybe I would love to have you guys just talk a little about those topics and a little bit of uh, your own quick, like uh, you know, just quick form. But like, what's your thoughts on duality of good and evil and theosophy and these conspiracies that Mark is interested in? I want to hear what you guys both have. Yeah. So, Laura, please, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Yeah. Um, So, I guess because Theosophy is so close to Buddhism and Buddhist, it's kind of very, very similar. Um, And there is, especially when it comes to Rollo on the threshold, it is, it does seem very much like the Twin Peaks story of um, your life and what you do in your life. becomes your next life so to speak and every time you come to the end of your current life you have to meet your dwelling threshold and um, but you keep on making new versions of yourself every time you are reincarnated and you're not necessarily reincarnated as a child um, you might be reincarnated into another adult body um, and it c- could be years and years and years before you are reincarnated you might be just in in between which feels a bit like the black lodge red room, whatever waiting room that does seem very you know similar to what we see in, in Twin Peaks with Dale Cooper and then how we see Laura in the um in season three in the Red Room when she takes her face off and she's got this pure white light behind her I that seems very much again like uh Bavatsky's teachings I think of that when eventually you reach this the top of your stage and you've got rid of all your bad, all the bad things you've done and you're just pretty much pure, you meet this major sort of dweller. <laughs> and if you can get past that and you get to see the person with the light, then you're, then you sort of go into a new astral plane and you can choose whether or not you want to, to be human again and look after the rest of the world, or you can go on and it's kind of a selfish thing to do. So,
0: so. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing no really i'm like that was really good that was uh, i can't I, you, you get treasures when you're just like i'm gonna ask a question and you know whatever creation is is like here's have some gold star have some more i'm like all right um thank you scott Would i would i be able to bother you for a bit of a perspective would i have to follow that no i'm sorry i didn't mean to
2: <laughs> i was gonna talk about how chocolate and vanilla ice cream sit next to each other in a bowl.
0: <laughs> darn it
2: kind of melt on each other and now laura has to go and talk about being your best self and coming back <laughs> um, well you know what i really got and first of all i want to say that i did not write conversations with mark frost that right, is david that. bushman's book my company right. did um publish it with david bushman but i just want to be sure that you know, any listeners who are, I don't want anyone to think I wrote that book because David Bushman worked so hard on that and, and, you know, researched all these things that you're talking about so he could have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would help him with some of the Twin Peaks things, but I have never dwelled into any of this mystical stuff. Mm -hmm. But the way that I read Mark Frost as a writer, and really as a human being, I think he is so interested in how hard it is for a good person to be good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really easy for all of us to say, well, I'm good, or he's good, or that's a good guy, that's a bad guy. Those are really simplistic ways of writing characters or viewing characters. And I think in the end, Mark Frost is a writer. That, I mean, he's like, if David Lynch is an artist, a painter, I think he's a painter first and honestly a filmmaker second. Yeah. I would say that Mark Frost is a writer first and a, and a television producer second. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. basically I think that what Mark likes to do is take someone who's good, obviously in this case, we're going to use Cooper as mm-hmm. an example, and then say, okay, here's this good person. We've set him up as a good person. But what does a good person do when the person mm-hmm. they love is put in danger, whether that's Caroline from the past or Annie in season two? And then you know it becomes a Laura obsession as you go on. Mm-hmm. And that that to me are what those things are about, and what he as a writer because he does it in all of his work. I mean, I think that was one of the things that David Bushman discovered in, you know, he he doesn't just talk to Mark about Twin Peaks. He he went through all of his novels and, and all of those TV shows. And I think all writers have something that they want to talk about over and over again. And I mm-hmm. think that is Mark Frost's obsession again? I don't know. I mean, I know Mark a little bit. I'm not speaking for him. That's what I get out of of what he added to Twin Peaks and um, and his other work.
0: That's a really insightful thing. I hope I did correct myself. I did. I know it is David Bushman, and it was published. And uh, Scott is thanked in the front. I think uh, it speaks for itself that he did a ton of work when you read the book. So now this is not a plug. Just go buy the book. <laughs> not a mm-hmm. so buy the <laughs> yeah Jedi mind tricks hardly if you can tell you're doing it it's not a Jedi mind trick all right anyways <laughs> I think it worked enough though so but um <laughs> I had such weird things happening I flipped open to page 33 today and read till 42 out of my love for the Douglas Adams number and I uh got to a few things that ended up popping up like right immediately in the show fringe that the better half and I clearly mm-hmm. better half are watching
2: what and season it, are you in three so. okay well we're in season three too and i've never Ooh. seen it before so
3: uh. we're, we're, <laughs> to be, we're like
0: we've got two episodes <laughs> left in season three
2: okay
3: um.
0: Well, I would love to hear what you... If you want to just shoot me a laugh later. If <laughs> well, I just didn't
2: want you to spoil anything because I have never seen it before. And it's pretty also, good.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm also open to talking about it, of course. I, it's one of my favorite <laughs> shows. Honestly, it takes place in Boston. So if you think that, I think Twin Peaks means something. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, she's like... <laughs> It's real, man. No, but um. <laughs> so I guess like one of the things like he he joins the writers guild and he was always trying to get into that in college. It, so I'll let people um. Scott's right. Buy the book and find out for yourself some of the uh, amazing things in here. But I will say um, I'm gonna read one sentence, and this is kind of uh, from a very early part in the book. And this is gonna. I want you to think David Lynch's. So um, Scott connected Lynch as a director, but first a painter. And you can see his painterliness when you look at six men getting six six times. And I want you to notice how both of the young artists, this is my hot take. And I'm gonna say that they relied on, they, they were so abstract that they needed a foundation and numbers was the salvation they found it in because, and it'll be apparent when you hear quickly. Uh, this is from page 33. It says um, that his first um, it was his first play that I used to get the attention, and this is the importance of mentors. Uh, it was a Yale um, avant garde uh, professor, and um, and he was a long story short was that Mark Frost is uh, said to have said the play was a ritualized performance. So think Twin Peaks and how he's adding in all of the esoterica. The play was a ritualized performance, a celebration of his life with seven actors portraying him each uh each portraying him at a certain point in his evolution see ding ding alchemy evolution as a human being and i really mm-hmm. think that one little sentence i want i would love to hear your guys's laura if you wouldn't mind and then um
1: oh, <laughs> oh, oh. that so that was mark talking about his what he was doing with david
0: oh no his very first no, sorry. project sorry, yeah right, okay Seven and six, okay. respectively, for each.
1: Of you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, God, I. I know. I'll save you, Laura.
2: Um, <laughs> I think that what you get from that, and and many other things that Mark says in that book, you know, it's easy for me to push the Mark Frost book on Twin Peaks fans because I think Twin Peaks fans always want to go to David Lynch and give him all of the props, you know? And and I think what you learn from something like that is that the mystical parts of Twin Peaks come from Mark Frost as well. You wouldn't have a show that is as deep and layered and layered and layered if one person was had those mystical sides and the other person had none that's not going to happen that that's just not it doesn't wouldn't make sense Mm. that way um and and i think mark has that feeling you know i mean david lynch is his own person he is a a one-of-a-kind person that is you know i i don't even think there's anyone to even compare him to Mm. like Mark Frost, you could compare him to Stephen Bodjko or David Kelly. I mean, there's been many um, prolific television writers that have done really quality. David Milch, who was one of his um, compatriots from Hill Street Blues and things. But um, so I don't know. I feel like that that is how I view that, that it really shows that even from the get go, Mark had that it may not be otherworldly but it is not cut and dry that he he can see things beyond what's right there on mm-hmm. the page
1: and write them brilliantly as uh, he builds them into every, almost every character as well doesn't he that's, that's, that's well there's a magician in,
0: in the third season you even finally get a magician who's,
1: yeah. you know it's like yeah
0: so i mean like there's <laughs> all a, and he's called red you know we're all i see that a lot of <laughs> Uh, it's mars day today speaking of Tuesdays, um, so you first saw twin peaks on a tuesday and it's a tuesday again mm-hmm. yeah, yeah two peaks of days in your life and- <laughs> I, I, not, not to say that this is so important shame on me but <laughs> anyways but, but it's the now nice a <laughs> nice nice rescue nate that was real. <laughs> smooth as paper all right so anyways um so i guess another question um to just kind of like tie, do you guys have any interest in tarot cards? Like it is the six of, uh, sorry, there's my mic. Do you guys have any tarot card interest or um, a cult interest that you could speak of to share with the audience? Laura maybe uh, first?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I, I don't know that much about tarot, but I love tarot decks. I actually own loads. <laughs> i collecting different tarot decks, but I don't really know anything. I wouldn't be able to tell you what. One What's your favorite meant, one?
0: Do you do you have a deck like uh, with a name Ooh. that comes? No, yeah.
1: Um, the, oh god, I've got so many I can't remember. There's a cat one. <laughs> the one,
0: i know i already know the one you're talking about. yeah yeah
1: there's different cats I'm, I'm i'm a big cat fan anyway so yeah I, that there's,
0: yeah there's a cat on the deck the card to hand that's this i'm sorry for waggling it about it's the six and
3: fifth.
1: it's
0: uh but you can see there's actually a cat there's a tiger person yeah. on there so i'm glad you mentioned cats because that's <laughs> the tarot card that's closest to me has cat on it Um, What about you, Um, Scott? Do you have any interest in um, divinatory tea things or anything like that?
2: I actually do not. I am the most um, practical (laughs) person that there is. I am not really very spiritual. I am not, um, you know, I, I think that there's nothing more beautiful than that we come to this place and we leave our kindness behind. And we only have, whatever, 50 to 70, 80 years, and that's all you have. So I live every moment to try to be kind and to make strangers smile, not to get something in the next life, not to be rewarded, not to believe that I'm even gonna get something back, what I put out. Mm-hmm. I do it expecting nothing back. Mm-hmm. And that's how I live my life. It's it's all surrounded around kindness. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy um, mystical like we're fringe, you know, I mean, that has a lot of I like science fiction and things like that. But in real life, I don't like where you can put your behavior on anything else besides you. Mm. And you know so many times religion not that tarot cards are religion but so many times you say oh well i did this well it wasn't me i was either the devil made me do it or bob or whatever so um look at that he brought a little bit of practicality right now <laughs> the middle of the tarot card question
0: well i mean that's an interesting interpretation for sure um if anyone blamed their behavior on a tarot reading, I'd have a problem with that. <laughs> Frankly, I, I, I'm just saying being possessed by Bob and a tarot. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man, what tarot cards you've been on, but maybe tell me. I'm just saying, no. Um, I was, when you said that too, to your point, like I have a quote, Like uh, I'm a Libra zero, zero Libra. Not, not that you have to believe in it, but if you think, if you find any quality in Zodiac, I'm literally born on the equinox which is okay. Okay. yeah enough of that talk 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 the point is is <laughs> that one who conquers himself is greater than another who conquers a thousand times a thousand on the battlefield and it's attributed to the buddha but it's a wise statement in general right. so i thought that yeah, sounded something. like what you said a little yeah, bit absolutely. self-responsibility and like yeah. it, you don't have to believe in the woo i certainly myself have enough experience where i unequivocally and my listenership knows is i'm I'm all in. It's it's real <laughs> to to me, but at the same time, just because it's more complex and there's more fishies in my ocean, to speak poetically, not because there's a little fishy up there, but like mm-hmm. I'd say that it's still my responsibility to be, you know, it's just there's more currents. Uh, it's still I'm still responsible for me, and there's no there's no other fun way to go than to actually be your own person, anyways. Mm-hmm. But I
2: find right. that like these, and oh, when you know, I believe you should believe anything you want like I don't judge you or anyone else I don't judge anyone for anything
0: I wouldn't think you would
2: ever yeah, like and it actually i've found it upsets people more that i don't judge them because <laughs> i really believe I mean. they can do whatever they want and i actually don't care i mean <laughs> it's not in a bad way like you do you. your thing i do my thing we all go and it's just sort of how i i handle internet hatred and <laughs> all the things <laughs> that you deal with when you put out there i don't really get involved in what y- y'all are doing I have my own things and i'm i and i move forward only with my
0: beliefs and my belief is to be kind to everyone
3: yeah
0: i'm with you on that one for sure Mm -hmm. i want to share with you guys speaking of kindness and the girlfriend got me fringe for the christmas like she there was a fiasco there are people out there that could listen to you i tell you i was returning a copy of fringe that i bought on the ebay And it was like it was all grimy and it just break it's like missing pieces inside. So I'm like, I'm gonna have to return this. It was the worst, like suddenly, like this guy's like you know, so you it's really like like Scott says, Don't don't worry about what other people do. There's random stuff that can pop up. I actually was very proud of myself. I'm 36, so like I was legitimately proud of myself for like not responding but i'm like keyboard cat reporting to the evening <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if i hit the thing um yeah no i it's 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 not worth your time either another buddhist quote is that the acid that you hold you guys know this one the acid that you hold inside yourself for mm. the anger for another person ends up just damaging the container that holds it
1: oh absolutely mm. yeah i, I left it. jobs and things because i couldn't deal with that <laughs> anymore well, that's how you feel idea. about
2: 25 years later working for Andrew? <laughs> Um, There's a Avid Brothers song and I can't think of what the title is right now but they say over and over at the end I have no enemies
3: Mm.
2: and you know to say that out loud and to sing that song you know I may not be spiritual but music guides my life Mm. and I find that in music and you know I believe I have no enemies you know. Mm. I may, you know, somebody, I may be someone's enemy,
0: Laura. But um, <laughs> you know,
2: no one is
3: mine.
0: <laughs> it's adorable. Um, What's that David Bowie <laughs> lyrics you're making me think of? <laughs> dollar Dollar Days. That's the song I'm thinking of. <laughs> okay, no enemies, um, that's a, okay. what Yeah. See she finally sang on the show. I
1: did it. I didn't, I just had agreed.
0: Uh, right, right. We'll edit that out. <laughs> you'll never know, Laura. We got your back. We'll hide the evidence. Um, so let me let me say, speaking of Philip Jeffries or uh Mr. David right. Bowie, um what's your favoriteist uh Bowie album or song if you'll go there for us, both of you guys?
2: For me it is so simple. It's I'm deranged from Lost Highway. Uh, yeah. Um that song. Well, I love the whole Lost Highway. And it's funny because <laughs> I just said I don't love goth. But and, you know, there's <laughs> this like angry Polish song on there. The, what is that song? Lost. Ramstein. Blah, 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 blah. The Ramstein.
1: Yeah. So I was listening <laughs>
2: to that when one of my kids came, fr- came home from school and they were like, what are you listening <laughs> to? And I'm like, you like this? And I was like, hey, it's Lost Highway. Um, so that would be mine without a
3: doubt.
0: That's, I'll get back to that in a second That's a surprisingly happy answer for me and <laughs> Laura, what about you? That's a great I, answer
1: I oh, There are loads, but I think Absolute Beginners um, oh. For a very 80s thing, uh,
0: Tonight? Is that on tonight? Or which one's that on?
1: Oh,
0: Let's I, Dance
1: I don't know okay. Okay. <laughs> I can't try to think it, It's not its own album But I know It was for a film, wasn't it? I think so. I don't know if it's even on an oh, album. Oh, it could I have been love. a single yeah. then. Okay, I think it might have just been a single, but my mum had it on record when I was little and and I just played it all the time. So it's one of those songs that I love because it was played so often in my house.
0: <laughs> I can see that that's a that's like a, it's like a Christmas memory or something like that. Mm,
1: yeah, it is. It's a great, is a brilliant uh, song. And I love Ed. Uh, nobody really ever mentions the Earthling album. In that was more sort of Nine Inch Nails drum and bassy, and I was loved Nine Inch Nails at that time. So.
0: I listened to Little Wonder uh, yeah. yesterday, and then there's a uh, Battle for Britain on there. That's 1997, mm. the second album. Yeah. <laughs> so, you guys are familiar with Davide De Angelis? Mm, no.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So, no. he did this, he's the, he's the guy who did the Starman Tarot. Oh,
3: okay. oh, David yeah.
0: Bowie. Okay. Yeah, that's the Starman Tarot. Oh, okay.
3: It's
0: kind of meta. Oh, you know, yeah,
3: reflection. it looks good. Yeah. I'm um,
0: <laughs> and I, I would like to just give Scott a shout out for the most. Um, I believe someone in your magazine, it might have been you, said the most meta moment was the music. There's always music in the air, and I just, I really loved that line. So I just want to thank you for that. Was a good line. Uh, but <laughs> Davide did the artwork for both David Bowie's 1995 album, from which I'm Deranged is from, uh-huh. and he also did the artwork for the other one, Earthling. And it's, I talked to him like a year, like back in uh, April of last year. And then it was weird because I then listened to Outside and I'm Nathan Lee, but still Nathan it's close mm-hmm. enough. And the character that he doesn't, he doesn't use Ziggy. He doesn't use Thin White Duke. He uses Nathan Adler. And all of these weird things started. Uh, yeah, but um, we watched Lost Highway on our anniversary, which might we're we're that kind of we're just weird people, I guess. <laughs> but that was our that was uh, we watched that, and I'm like, who is that singing? Like that, it sounds nothing like him. He sounds like Morrissey
3: mm. when mm. he sings
0: that song. Anyways, yeah. I'm really glad you chose that, Scott, because personal anecdote, because of course I had one. Anyways, well,
2: let's right get now, some- Lost Highway is my favorite Lynch film. It's really, um, it, it it.
0: really, really
2: is connecting with me and I was, when I do the labels on the Blue Rose, it takes a while. And I always watch something and a lot of, you know, you just want something up. And I I sat there and watched Lost Highway. I didn't do any labels. I couldn't, you couldn't (laughs) do, you couldn't do have your head down (laughs) because you can't not look at what he's showing you. And and just the feeling, it was not a movie Mm -hmm. that you could do something else while you watch and I right now it's my favorite one
1: I yeah I think after firework with me that and wild oh. at heart mm, I think lost highway just picks wild at heart I love wild at heart but that's probably just because I love sailor and lula rather than I do film. too
3: yeah <laughs> I, I, I what
0: about inland empire how do you guys in that weird balloon <laughs> the balloon head at the end <laughs> i never want to th- i'm sorry to bring it up because it's just
1: twice the, oh, i it's like hate a, balloons i really hate balloons sorry it's worse that, it's
0: worse then. now that he's like got this weird laura dern balloon head <laughs> Like. Oh. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with? um, So let's stay with like the surrealist a bit. Um, Another passion of mine is the band Tool, and I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if you guys have any uh, affinity or familiarity with that band.
1: I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Sorry? Laura.
0: Laura, You start us off. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, Again, just from my sort of youth days, and and Pusser are great as well, and yeah, um, yeah, Um, and yeah, um, Maynard, he's fantastic sing it but i am a big death tones fan. Them, Passage. Yeah, Passage, yeah yeah yeah. favorite band. He did the
0: song with them, Passage. Yeah,
1: passenger Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's like that's a fake name for him. His name is James Keenan and there's actually yes. a, a town in Massachusetts called Maynard that has mm-hmm. a James Keenan Field.
1: Oh wow. So he just took <laughs>
0: no but it's oh no it just happened
1: Uh Uh, well
0: he was he did live in boston and he was a pet he did like have a pet he was a pet store worker in boston for Mm -hmm. a bit but i don't who knows i think Mm -hmm. that uh, came around before but um Mm -hmm. scott what about your familiarity with the band tool well one
2: time i needed to screw a poster (laughs) into the wall and i needed a tool and i went (laughs) and got it and i used it
0: and that is the end of my familiarity usually i put explicit for my swear words that i just can't stop using because i'm a Bostonian. i'm gonna put an explicit for that tale you must be ready for Scott's, ready for scots he's gonna hit you over the head with this one now he's gonna, you're gonna look a lot like okay everyone is. calm down everyone's calm down. I'm calming down i'm calming down this is me having a panic attack all right no um so it's okay. Actually, uh, Tool has an English member now from a band that was mm. called Peach in England. And they covered... Okay. Cat- yeah, they covered uh, cr- Crimson. They co- it's yeah, cat- yeah. yeah, cat food. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, so the reason I bring them up is it's like really simpatico. Like if you're into the mm. Twin Peaks vibes, like that mm. feeling. Um, mm. Some of Tool's music is transformative enough and high enough in its uh, intention like Mark's writing and David's uh, the sum is greater than the total mm. and their music can do a similar peaky thing. And yeah. uh, so the mm. twin peaks, the tool, TNT, all right. They're you know, mm. potato, mm-hmm. potato. Anyways. Um, do you got, go ahead. I was just agreeing with you, sir. Oh, um, <laughs> I was hoping you would have some like crazy good anecdote to rescue me from my pretending that I'm just <laughs> making up a question right now. So I'm going <laughs> to make up this question that I didn't just make up.
2: Uh, (laughs) Well, I'll ask Laura um, if you were going to listen to a Twin Peaks soundtrack. Uh-huh. Right now, today, it doesn't mean it's your favorite. But what, what, okay. what are you probably going to grab first to listen to?
3: Mm-hmm. Eight hey, questions.
0: Uh, you can do the shows uh, now. I'm just going to sit and smoke weed, please.
3: Well, you said you. you,
2: <laughs> yeah. you no, I, a no, question. no. I'm genuine. It's, it's really
0: good question. <laughs> and
2: because we were <laughs> talking about the music, and I was yeah. just curious. I don't think Laura and I have ever discussed the music. No, before. I, I like
3: the question.
1: It's um don't know i mean lost highway is kind of the most sort of non-film soundtrack if you know what i mean if you think of mm-hmm. firewalk with me and the twin peaks soundtrack they've all got music from the show haven't they? and uh, you know um whereas lost highway i know it's obviously got little bits of dialogue and things but it's mostly i, I love that barry adams and something wicked this way Comes. just it's one of my favorite songs ever so i probably would be last time um what else I don't know if I've heard any of the other soundtracks (laughs) it's terrible what's what a fan
0: about (laughs) you Scott which one would you pick um right now I've really
2: been into the season two and more vinyl it just came Mm. out on record store day like a year ago and I actually think it's the best release because it's all over the place you know Um, it's hard to beat the firewalk with me soundtrack, of course, but, um, I like that it has stuff from firewalk with me. It's got the, you know, some different songs from season one and two. Is that the pink one? uh the pink room is on firewalk with me but blue frank is on season two which they play together um Mm, in that scene but Mm. um they're they're split over two albums and i could listen to both those songs Mm. forever there's it's just so good to write to and i'm doing a lot of writing right now so Mm. i'm listening to those quite a bit i always write to angelo i should give him uh some of my credit profits (laughs) oh credits you're right screw him i'm just gonna give him credit that's a better idea
0: (laughs) oh geez what have i done um this was a really fun conversation these guys are a lot of fun to talk to as you can tell i wanted to uh Use this time to uh, politely, gently nudge my way in between the two peaks of this uh, conversation and uh, provide a bit of the value that I had intended to provide before, not just in the intro to the show, which, my God, my goodness gracious, oh my, my, oh me. Thank you. uh, It's amazing this show stays afloat. Listen, uh, stay it even floatier. Um, you can donate again at, uh, cultvan.com and hit the donate button or just go straight to PayPal and enter a cultvan at Gmail and, um, just put a number, uh, that you like. What is this? Like, wow. this a uh, few hours of the show that I put my effort into bringing together. Uh, look at these stars that we have before us, Laura and Scott. I mean, geez, like, and the taking Angelo stuff there. Come on. You know, Angelo, give it up. God bless. Rest in peace. God bless everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's good. So people uh if you like this show too it's like wow that's a that's a that's a Nate Nate he he did some weird stuff and there it is. You know thank you to everyone who does these. Uh we have several with a uh, one of our uh producers that we'll mention soon actually. He's uh, been a guest on a few of these so I appreciate everyone who goes on these. Uh and uh when it goes this well it's just super pleasurable and oh my god we achieved the show's purpose. Uh and again um, if you have questions about uh, the occult and stuff uh, along those lines or uh, even spirituality or even how to translate, if you uh, if you want to just bring it down to real brass tacks, if you want to translate complicated ideas from a technical standpoint into making them communicable to a, say, a user base, uh, soft skills are what these are called, I am your man, um, until I formalize a pattern or a plan to use, uh, if you have questions on these... Uh, and you can help me uh, put this in a more business-framed orientated. I think uh, one hand washes the other quite well. And it's always about the upward spiral. And uh, Mark and David work quite well together. So uh, if this makes sense to you, uh, especially for people who are looking to um, move their ideas into the public space using a communicable language that's warm and empathic, uh, that's something I offer. I'm very empathic. Very interesting, the occult as well. So I can also down the line of for those depending on how deep you want to go into psychology for humans, but the magical dark art of psychology. But it can be used for light arts too, right? You know, uh, ostensibly we are white lodge denizens, or uh, uh, we strive to be. Honestly, we strive to be. And, um, you know, that's, that's out in the light. <laughs> so, uh, if you're looking for those kind of skills, then, um, I can also, uh, I'm always free to, uh, talk to you about those, especially for those of you who are looking to do things in a professional sphere. Uh, wow. This is what it's like to grow up, isn't it? Oh, vault. Yes. Um, and I think that our, you uni- know, our universal, uh, experience through our generation, um, I'm, a. I'm just like on the 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 tail end of millennial or uh, beginning. Excuse me. I am very, you know you use Pluto and I'm zero zero degree Scorpio Pluto, so that's the beginning of the generation, and uh, Scorpio is all about the uh, mystical arts. So. Something that I'm bringing a full circle around. I, I I think that um as I'm trying to humbly say like I'm grateful that I brought this panel together and I'm like you know well um Scott should get paid for Angelo stuff. I'm feeling okay asking to get uh donated for the you know value that even my guests heavily brought. It's Laura, Laura and Scott both keystones. I mean it's supposed Keystone's supposed to be like a one thing, but it's Keystone. So uh there's there's two of these they're how pillars they're they're both pillars and uh as i hope to at least be a golden shovel uh these guys do like i said so scots done the yeoman's work across the community i mean like i've met people who knew his old magazine i didn't even bring stuff up on the show that you know it's just so much time goes by and you know, i think we did a great job for uh, the time we uh we had together and i'll say um that I, I'd like to bring back value, not just that I forgot in the opening of the show, um, I have four different quick readings that I'm introducing here, and I, I was going to put these on the Joseph P. Farrell show, Dr. F., uh, so I'm going to give you the two readings that I was going to do for that first, and then we're going to do uh, the two readings for this one. And this is providing even more value into something. If uh, you want to know about the golden shovel, when I say that I want to provide Dr. Amp, that I'll be a real-life Dr. Amp for you, this is uh, an example of why I feel that I would hopefully be providing some holiness into this as well, and that's very serious to that degree. Um, I I think the mystery at the heart of Twin Peaks reflects this attempt to uh, at least give people some light. So let me just... This little light of mine, I'm going to try. Do you have... No- Anyways, so this is from February 1st, when uh, Doc and I spoke. It is not possible to explain the or Wait, I'm doing... I'm jumping the gun! Ooh! Ooh, Nelly. Oh, jeez! Oh, Oh, jeez! That almost happened. No, but I got it. So February 1st is actually the 32nd. Uh, I could be all cool and be like, Hey, let's do the 33rd. Well, we're going to read the 32nd reading for February 1st because interestingly enough, Gopher Gopher Island Day uh, the 2nd of February is the 33rd so Uh, this topic is ubiquity Tao is everywhere, it cannot be kept from the sincere Tao originated in China and was an expression of that culture it was intimately tied to a poetically agrarian view of the world and it forged mysticism and pragmatism together but now most of us, even those in China, do not understand ancient words. Our farming is mechanized. Our poetry is written on computers. Does this make Dao invalid? No, it does not. Tao is still here, and if we, fo- if we are to follow Dao, then we must not rely on old standards, but on direct experience. Contemporary minds need contemporary concepts that interest them. If following Dao is as great as the masters claim then it ought to be applicable to any situation and any race. Neither time, nor place, nor culture should be a barrier to the sincere seeker. Tao surrounds us. We need only guidance and understanding in order to connect with it. Dao is not something esoteric. It is right here. The masters allude to this all the time. For them, anything, from reading scriptures to attending the theater, from meditating to sweeping dung from the ground, You gotta shovel your... Wow, I like how that works. Is (laughs) Dao. If masters still know Dao, in this world of jet planes and electronic communication, then we can also absorb the essential message of Dao. Those who succeed might never talk of it, and yet everything they do will be spontaneously in tandem with Dao. So that's the first reading. And uh, that's cool. I'll just uh, let you know that this, again, is from 365DAO. I'll, I'll be linking, of course, the show notes uh, for Laura and Scott. And if I uh, miss something in the show notes, you be sure to just uh, send that up. and again, if you have any questions about, like, uh, occult things or, uh, talk, you know, just send questions in, too, with donations, especially is uh, how we do that. So, Get that going on, and uh, let's see here, let's see here, let's see here, so February 9th, we recorded, so that was actually uh, the 40th day, so just uh, get that prepared, because that's going to be the next one, however, right now, let's get it, get it going on, I appreciate your time, I'm trying to, uh, not trying to, I am increasing the professionality and value of the show as we go. Uh, thank you to those who have donated. I'm going to give you guys the shout-outs after I read these to really sandwich it in the center right there. And uh, <laughs> I may or may not find my way to editing the rest of the show by uh, on time. This happens to be, I'll have, you know, uh, Laura Palmer Friday. So how um, sincerely wonderful to uh, be able to release this into uh, Twin Peaks Month. That's really cool. So let's read this, too. Uh, February 1st. It is not possible to explain the origin of the spiritual from the material. A man consists of body and soul. Thus often, especially in his youth, he is interested only in his body. But nevertheless, the most essential part of every man is not his body, but his soul. It is your soul that you must take care of, not your body. You must learn this over time and remember that your real life is in your spirit, that is, in your soul. Save it from the everyday... Save it from everyday dirt, and do not let your flesh guide it. Subdue your body to your soul, and then you will fulfill your destiny and live a happy life. It says after Marcus Aurelius. Huh, interesting. Um, I shared uh, an Aurelius quote the day that we uh, spoke on uh, the, uh, gosh, what was it? Did I just say the ninth? Sure, let's go with that, whenever we spoke. I think it was the ninth. The heart of the matter is whether we believe or disbelieve in the existence of a spiritual realm all people are divided into two groups those who are alive and those who are dead in other words those who believe and those who don't an unbeliever says what is spirit what i ate and what i enjoyed this is what i possess this is material and real and such a person without thinking much takes care of only the outer things arranging in order only his own mean dirty affairs He becomes a liar, a snob, a slave, and does not feel any higher needs, freedom, truth, and love. Such a person keeps away from the light of the intellect, because in fact he is dead, and this light gives life only to living things, and hardens and rots the dead things. That's uh, my dude Alexander Arkhangelsky. Badass, man. It's heavy. The difference, says Tolstoy, to finish off who was the first uh, it is not possible to explain the origin of that he said that part uh the difference between the spiritual realm and the material is equally clear and obvious both for a child and a wise man further speculations are not necessary these are uh, that's uh, the entry from tolstoy uh i read that every day so i'm reading to you from february 1st and uh, that's tolstoy's calendar of wisdom those two are being added as extra value here they were intended to be on the 87th episode for the six of swords there and uh in fact i had uh been just so swamped with work that i uh ended up deciding that if i were going to do it i was going to edit here so now i did and here we go i want to add a big thank you to pam thank you so much pammy uh lovely amount uh and $22. twenty two. Uh, appreciate that very much you rock i got a magic seven uh thank you gerard uh very much, uh, very also. You love the 7777777s. Seven, 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 I think I did it right, and if I didn't, uh, send more in and I'll try again. <laughs> and uh, Patrick, uh, was it you? I believe, Patrick, brother, uh, Freighter, Patrick, uh, thank you for the 1111s. Uh, kind of went out of order there, but that's okay. I think everyone's cool. And uh, you get to use that amount that carries over to your Six of Wands. So whenever you come on to play the Six of Wands, you'll have that amount to carry over. Buy you a couple of potions, uh, maybe some uh, daggers or something. Gotta start smacking the weapons out of these characters. Patrick's gonna rush up there with this thief next time. I'm just gonna have to like have something like it's like ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> you get to keep your hand, but your weapon's gone. What you gonna do? You're gonna buy a new weapon? Yes. You <laughs> can't do that too many times, can you? We'll see. You gotta tune into the Six of Wands to find out uh at this early uh, we're still on the first arc <laughs> yeah that was as good as a hyper sigil game and so um yeah i hope that we draw a crowd from all sorts across the ways all sorts of people um you know I, I just want the i want the coolest people out there you're all around you're in all the different groups from liberty groups to high finance to just weirdos and you know just regular old people just trying to make a buck online with sales or whatever you do you know it's all love here or you know it's mostly it's, it's a panoply of emotivity here anyways uh this is of course the 6 of cups the round table version of the 6 of swords and you got the 6 of wands and 6 of disks which is by the way the solo show if we didn't do that yo and now let's finish up with our other two readings when you hear the chime turn the page it's a happy little it's a happy little podcast arc it's a happy little meta moment i'd like to thank my um uh my my um I, I did before but i i, I must uh say i want to thank my forebears and these my um and this is giving a shout out to my mentors in podcasting adam curry john c Dvorak, and as well as mo and adam and uh we're going to give a shout out as well to their new uh the podcasting 2.0 show so now i'm going to include that in there too uh gosh i think it's brian dave something uh, i'll get that right next time Ay, 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 ay. And uh, also to Miguel and to Nish, Nish, and Jerry. Now that's it for now. I'm going to read this is uh, 40. Subconscious. Oi. Heaven and Hell. Our subconscious. Meditation opens seldom glimpsed areas of our subconscious. When that happens, extraordinary thoughts and awareness come to us with seeming spontaneity. We realize truths that were opaque to us before. Donate to Occult Fan at OccultFan.com. <laughs> Adorable. We realize truths that were opaque to us before. I'm <laughs> um, growing up, I swear. Something about Paulo Picasso. Have, oh, I do not evolve, I am. That's the quote he has. Alright, that's on my mirror. So hey, let's do it. We realize truths that were opaque to us before. We perceive events that were previously too distant. Ship smoke on the horizon. But no one ever became superhuman because of meditation. They only opened their own latent potential. Everything is locked inside of us and need only be opened. That is why it is said that heaven is within us. In the same way, the pains and the struggles of the past sometimes haunt us with astounding vehemence. Ooh, Nelly. He's on fire, ladies and gentlemen. Problems and conflicts are difficult to exercise. Although we may practice spirituality and move on to new endeavors, and relationships past hurts still come back in our memories and dreams. These are not demons from another world. They're going to triangulate on this position really soon. Nor are they karmic manifestations of previous lives. They are scars in our subconscious. No matter how diligently we try to make progress, there there still are pains that curse us day after day. This is why it is said that hell is within us. We ourselves are the battleground for good and evil. There is no need to look beyond our world. Everything to be understood is within us. All that must be transcended. The pains and scars of the past is within us. All the power of transcendence is also within us. Tap into it and you tap into the divine itself. I feel very grateful that I am able to bring you this value. I really feel grateful that you're listening, and I hope that we get to meet. And ideally, I'm about ultimately setting up uh, things in the long term, but one thing at a time. But permaculture, I must mention always is a if you're a friend of mine, you're a friend of permaculture. That's what um that's what legitimately can be said i've uh, been listening i'm gonna read the next reading in a moment i'll just say that for my own uh, today it is the 12th of friday wow <laughs> boy have some more coffee nate nate it's the 12th of friday folks <laughs> it's the 12th of february and it's a friday venus day be to lady venus And I have Venus in Libra. That's a good thing. Uh, 26 degrees, if you're wondering. It's uh, got some really great star action. And I have uh, the uh, honor of speaking to you this day, and I just want to say I've been actually picking up a lot more on the uh, 10,000 days vibes and uh if you look into this great encyclopedic book of the occult here's a quick fast one 10,000 meaning itself is a uh, one meaning uh esoterically or whatever just something you can use for your speech patterns to be more accurate if you wish 10,000 is uh, an expression of like an, an immense multitude so 10,000 days is uh not just you know the amount of saturn but uh that ties into how the experience of saturn is something that is very uh heavy or just seemingly infinite right so the grand old duke of york he had so many people that you don't want to with well, that you don't want to with well, that you just do not want to step to his shit all right you know what i'm saying it's got liquid sores and everything all right yeah <laughs> hey um sacred bones so what's uh my day's been like that's what i'm doing <laughs> i actually had to pause and like what was i talking about So let me focus. Yeah, 10,000 days, I've been listening to that more lately and really kind of stepping into, like, looking at my shadow and um, looking into what shadow work is. And I admonish uh, those of uh, you amongst us who are interested in uh, dealing with this kind of thing. Um, We need adults in our society, and those are people who have stepped through uh, the shadow and embraced it, and it's people who, like, you know that they have shit, but they're also trustworthy of being... uh, Holistic adults in this world right because there's parasitic assholes who unfortunately or fortunately definitely unfortunately from George Carlin's stance and I happen to agree Sure, Bill Mollison, I can't put words in his mouth, or Arbuckminster Fuller, but I feel like I'm hopefully in good company by saying that these people aren't, these rotten fish-headed-down people just aren't the ones we want to emulate in our own behavioral choices. And since we are all infinite centers within our own, trying to be good people in this world the best we can, I invite those of you who wish to do permaculture and uh, who agree with my Dr. Amp styles, and uh, who agree with the readings that you hear and are about to hear, more or less, to uh, just get in touch, stay in touch. Let's uh, you get get yourself over to the Six of Swords Discord until we get ourselves a more proper Nathan Lee Miller Foster website, whatever my projects are going on for that. So thank you so much for listening, honestly. Let's get this uh, last Tolstoy one up going. But uh, yeah, today I uh, saw that Sacred Bones had uh, some cool Jim Jarmusch stuff, so I ordered that i um, really excited about that, looking forward to watching a whole bunch of things with the JJ, but uh, still watching Fringe right now. After we recorded this, I w- <laughs> the freaking Fringe episode came on, and I'm like, talking about the Jungian and talking about the subcon, you know, like the, the, the power of these, like, invisible forces, and like, I'm like, this is how it is, like, that's whatever that is, like, he, you know, Scott talked about, it. I'm like, oh, dude, I don't even remember the... You know, Jacoby thing. You know, I, there's a whole bunch of things like how he's Temence, Terrence McKenna and stuff like that. and, You know, I, I identify. I, I hope that, like, I can play a role as that kind of Terrence McKenna for our generation. Not not, not to replace anyone, because fuck that, but, like, you know, to have whatever, you know, cultural, psychedelic, shamanic impact as a healer. As a healer. As a healer. The vibes that when I listen to him and pick up on what he's saying, it's that character in there who's always at the table, like, alright, we're still a family of cousins or whatever, let's fucking be here together. And I'm a little bit more of a rough, radical expression, but like, Wild Man, you know, uh, what else am I doing? Reading uh, the Dao De Jing, no, what am I saying? The Art of War and Thomas Cleary, the Shambala editions from Boston. I'm reading his, uh, the um, edition, the accompaniment to the Art of War. Been listening to Anima in Ten Thousand Days a lot more, and I've uh, got two more Wu Tang Clan albums to finish. At least the most recent ones, maybe three left now. And I also have a uh, like oh, 14 more Genesis albums to get through before I finish the Wu Tang and the Genesis. That's one of the uh, things that I've been on about. So if you want to kind of listen while I'm doing that, uh, February March, if you listen to Wu Tang you listen to uh, the uh, Genesis, the entire discography, uh, you'll be uh, pretty safe waters until uh, we start in the spring, and uh, JJ are going to listen to, JJ and I are going to listen to the entire discography of Rush, so if you guys have any music out there that you like, I'm a very musically orientated magician person type guy, and I drag JJ along with me because she loves it, and uh, we listen to Monus Mouse, Tool, and uh, Paint Floyd together, stuff like, you know, Mogwai, so, um, Pustifer even, yeah, you know, we, uh, saw their live event, I'll be checking on Mogwai's live event tomorrow, shout out to my man, up, uh, out there, who, uh, you know, I'll keep you anonymous for now, but, uh, shout out to my, one of my Mogwai listening brethren out there, and, uh, yeah, that's what I got for you right now, let's get into this, uh, I just want to share that I've been listening to a lot more 10,000 days, and that's, uh, I want you to guys understand, like, if you were listening to me talk about the Enochian song on here, Fi Up Day Awad, uh, and if you don't know, I'm talking about, like, how I met Jim Egan on the Spring Equinox in, uh, 2019, all this jazz, and then, uh, the Beltane, oh, yeah, so, um, you know, if you don't know about that, then, uh, that's okay, but, like, there's this whole other aspect with, um, this, uh, well, the, they use a different angle of that angelic language, but, like, yeah. Let's, let's look at this just alone. Like, just look at the lyrics in Vicarious and then John by a John Baie, <laughs> uh, And then look at uh, the, 10,000 days lyrics uh, about facing your shadow. And like look at it in that kind of like terms and stuff like that. Cause it's definitely a much more raw. Like it's like a heart, like, I don't know. Like, There's no one way to put it. Like I, am not even going close right now, but uh, I'm, I'm rediscovering tool music basically that I had long, uh, stayed, uh, in the dark about i'm starting to piece together a lot better uh what's going on listen to all of like their albums too as well already in 2021 uh, i'm a very musically minded man uh, it's just what i it's a very important thing to me always oh yes and i have released an album for all twin peaks fans as well there's two versions and uh they are the version american or for no agenda listeners thank you for your cards. it's uh the version adam and then the uh, blacklight one with eight tracks lucky in both different cultures the seven and eight uh you have the uh japanese version with eight tracks and uh that is the john c version or the japanese version and uh the twin peaks so a bad robot daycare it's on bandcamp there will be links in the show notes and when you listen to them you can listen to it however you want they're built to be listened to for listen to the version american and then the version uh japanese version after that so one two and it's about 42 minutes uh, all 15 tracks you know and uh i really uh think that my uh, my own my own sense of things is accurate that you're gonna love it and after uh, three listens i'm sorry if you can't stop listening to it really i'm, I'm Whatever you get out of that, that's also a pay what you want donate. Uh, that's uh, the same way through a or just going to PayPal. And uh, actually, I think you actually go straight through Bandcamp on that. Excuse me, go to Bandcamp. You have sorry for the one extra step, but you do have to have a Bandcamp account. Ideally, I think you can buy it without one, just using PayPal. But uh, you can do that as well. But uh, yeah, it's Nathan Lee and his deep state. And it's a bad robot daycare. It's three words. A, and then bad robot is one word, and daycare is one word. A bad robot daycare. And uh, it's uh, American and Japanese versions. Uh, on Adam and John, and such and such. So, uh, yeah, here's the uh, here's the reading for, I believe, February 9th. And now we're going to be almost done. We're going to get back into the show. I've commandeered you enough. I was like... Uh, Uh, Don't do it to them at the beginning. And my God, I hope this microphone's on. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Are you wearing... Is everyone on fire here? Is everyone okay? Shouting fire in a crowded mind. Swear to God. Hey, baby. Let's get it going. The material evil caused by war is big, but it is incomparably small in comparison with the perversion or the understanding of good and bad which happens during the war and which is put into the souls of people who do not think. A child meets another child with a smile, displaying his friendly attitude and joy. This same behavior lives in all sincere people. But very often a man from one nation already hates a man from another nation and is ready to cause him sufferings and even death, even before he meets him. Those who create these feelings in nations commit a terrible crime. Uh, This is all uh, Tolstoy, and that, interestingly enough, uh, the, the one other quote that Tolstoy uses is back to Lao Tzu, the most powerful weapon known is the weapon of blessing, therefore a clever blessing, a clever person, ah, hi, I'm reading, the clever person relies, oh, you know, vault everybody, I love you, thank you for listening, the most powerful weapon known is the weapon of blessing, <laughs> I bless you all, I love you, seriously, listen to me, I'm, yeah, I have really no... Listen to, listen to me stumbling. I have really no choice about to be a nice person, huh? <laughs> hey, hey. The most powerful weapon known is the weapon of blessing. Therefore, a clever person relies on it. He wins with peace, not with war. That's Lao Tzu. I'm born the day after uh, International Peace Day, which is a whole thing. We got, like, Leonard Cohen born around me, Nick Cave, uh, Stephen King, uh, Nathan Lee Miller-Foster, that guy. hey. Uh, you know, so uh, Thomas Harris of the uh, Silence of the Lambs Handle Like to fame. So, yeah, Bunch. Hey, here's Tolstoy to finish. War creates a state in which power and glory is at the end. It is at the end too often received by the most undeserving and vicious people. War creates a state in which power and glory is at the end too often received by the most undeserving and vicious people hey you know uh, as I read the art of war I realize how much there is to being um, transparent and not being transparent and if you please one class you piss off another class it seems you know just according to some of what I've been reading and uh, (laughs) you know you you please everyone you please no one so I'm not trying to please everyone I'm I'm talking about like I bring up a time and time again I don't care like you know uh, who you are like it's like Where you count, you know what I mean? Like, are you a legitimately decent person? Are you uh, living the White Lodge value? Are you ultimately dealing with your shadow in a responsible adult in society? You know what I mean? For more or less, we might have different opinions on this, that, the other thing. Civility will rule the day. Uh, Kindness will rule the day. Permaculture, living in balance. And I must say, please direct your attention uh, to all peakies. I cannot uh, emphasize this enough. Uh, besides Miguel's The Black Books, I want you to look up Gigi Young's The Magicians of Moo. Uh, it's going to blow everyone's mind, and Scott and Laurel will be having their minds blown. But, uh, you know, they were going to write, you know, Mark Frost and David were going to talk about uh, what you say, like the Magician, uh, the Murans was going to be their original project, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, how, what are the what are the odds, right? What are the odds that Gigi Young just like I don't know, probably the day that we were doing this or just around there, uh, she released a video with a uh, with a uh, PDF too. I'll try to remember that eventually get that in the show notes uh, to the Magicians of Moo. So all peekies, you need to track down this Miguel Connor guy, this Aon Bite show, and you need to track down this Gigi Young uh, and check out her Magicians of Moo, cause dude. Do it, do it. The times and uh, the time Sometimes, if you want to make the show come to the real life, here's how to step through the two peaks and make the uh, make it past the third into the uh, make it uh, the ten thousand things or the fourth, which is bringing it into your life. Now you are in Twin Peaks yourself. So whatever you bring to it. You know, we all bring we are our own selves to everything, and I hope what you bring to it is magical. Like, I'm trying to bring gold. <laughs> Hopefully, I've helped transmute and change you a little bit with the messages I brought in the middle of this. I didn't want to front-load the whole thing. I want to, you know, at least do it in the middle of something. But I think it's time for us to get back into the episode now. So, thank you so much for listening. My gratitude, and uh, yeah. I said nothing. I'm not getting in <laughs> the way. My God, man. What have I done? Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, um, The Black Dog Runs at Night is something mm-hmm. I, it's really good. It's so strange. Don, yeah, he, had, it, he has a thing for angry dogs, too. I mean, literally, the, the world's yeah. angriest dog. And yeah. I can see why you consider him a visual, like a, a drawing artist first. I, I, mm-hmm. A painter's, like, but he's also done the cartoons to your point mm-hmm. for the visual.
2: Yeah, I mean, I always think that you can pause a David Lynch movie anywhere, print it, and hang that on your wall. Uh, mm-hmm. Wouldn't this look nice on your wall? Mm-hmm. Insert comma
0: there. I'm just thinking I, about the, like, the season two flesh world scenes, though. He's like, got the pencil up against the flesh world. I don't, I don't know. I would.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, the guy in the blue dress. Oh, <laughs> I'd have that on my wall. Yeah, why
0: not? <laughs> I'll have it I'll have it in reverse with like the black and white negative. It will look really cool. Yeah. Maybe throw some glitter on it. Now now I'm there. Yeah. Um em- Emory make- Baddis. Emery baddis with the thing. Yeah. With uh, anyway. the, yeah, with his
2: um the vacuum cord around his neck.
0: <laughs> Hello, Wilbur. Yeah. It's some yeah, some Windham Earl Horsage. Um, or, or Leo with his, you know, I yeah. mean. yeah I don't know. Yeah,
1: but, I actually did have a picture of that. You've got <laughs> to be good. No, I didn't. I I had it from the Twin Peaks Festival. Funnily That's enough, great. it was one of the drawings that was in a pack uh, that you could get from the UK Twin Peaks Festival. I'm so, so yeah, I didn't put it up.
0: <laughs> I'm so grateful to be speaking with both of you. I mean, really, this does my I am I am peak nerding out, and it's really good. It's really good for the for the for the overall um let's ask a question a quick random one and um uh laura ladies first as always but uh what's yours mm-hmm. let's do this quickly so scott can't get the jump on me here <laughs> 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 well, okay quick answers here what's your favorite number laura and then scott three scott three six <laughs> okay that's how old i am is 36 i'm gonna say huh. i'm gonna say seven I'm going to say <laughs> seven. Enough. I used to like <laughs> eight. No, we remember from David Lynch talking with um, Madgen, Uh Sorry if I'm not saying it right. Medgen, Madgen.
1: Madgen. Oh,
0: <laughs> um, And Kyle, as well as one of the stage techs uh, during the Slice of Lynch and it was always so i've only i i'm scott i was with you like five years maybe ago like as far as thinking this stuff is real so it comes on real quick five years later i'm just like numerology is real and what the heck was i doing and so suddenly out of nowhere as a young budding occultist guy a cult fan like the fan on the ceiling there i said i said that to ben and brian on the unwrapped show i said that's that's me i'm that fan that's a cult fan (laughs) um what was I just trying to say though? Shoot, I just got myself distracted. I did. What was I just saying a second ago? Please redirect me. are talking
1: about the number seven.
0: Number seven, they said so strangely out of nowhere. And she's like, <laughs> Oh, and I love 17. And David instantly corrected her. So this is my point. This is how important this stuff is. Thank Laura, I owe you one. Oh uh, yeah. So that's that's round one. That's there's a punch card for how many times a stoner needs his memory redone. <laughs> so, All right. Enough of this. All I'm saying is that, um, enough making fun of myself. Uh, all I'm saying is that in the slice of Lynch, he talks about how important numbers are suddenly. And he says, Oh, the number seven's very lovely. And Imagine goes to agree with him and says, Oh, I love 17. And what does David do? He teaches every peaky a lesson right in plain sight, but you wouldn't know it because he's, but he's sewing her. he's like, no, 17 is an eight. And that's a great number two. He called eight. Great. He's a magician, just like frost, but like like David's is more like a kid playing with the universe, whereas Frost, I think, is like really he needs to build and needs his like structure. And um, Scott, what do you think about my just random like take on that?
2: Well, I was assuming that eight is because it's one and seven. Yes, sir. It's called reduction. I mean, look at this. I mean, I'm practically a num-
0: numer- numerologist.
2: <laughs> yes, you and are. I'm drunk.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna hire him just only when he's drunk too. He's only allowed. To do my numbers. <laughs> he's only allowed to do my numbers when he's throwing the abacus into the air and counting it as it falls. I mean, why
2: not? Um, I mean, a lot of people are for the numbers. I mean, I think that there are things that connect us to each other and to life, and and why can't they be number? That makes that makes more sense than a guy in the sky, that's seeing if I'm good or bad. <laughs>
0: Like a William Blake painting, with the big uh, <laughs> uh, compasses and stuff like that. You, I, I'm rocking uh, a couple of number sevens. Don't take the ring. It's too late, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're all. We're all here together in the lodge. <laughs> what you don't know is you've already taken the ring. Oh I mean, no,
1: right. I, I did. I actually gave the ring away. As well.
0: That's nice, though. <laughs> you That's should fun. But <laughs> you I, have. <laughs> I think it depends oh. on. The, on the direction that you wear it, because that looks like you're going up to the White Lodge. And to me, that mm-hmm. signifies the downward spiral. So it's like, depending on your intention, uh, which lodge you'll end mm-hmm. up in. And so I make sure to wear it on the upwards side, because mm-hmm. like, you know,
2: I do. Well, think- I don't know. I've seen, to me, the White Lodge is part eight with uh, the fireman and Seniorita Dido. And, you know, you would say the Black Lodge is on your way to the Red Room where Maddie screams, Mm -hmm. I'd rather be where Shara Lee is. So I'm going with the (laughs) Black Lodge.
3: Would you really?
2: Mm. I mean, I don't know. It seems a lot more fun. There's coffee there.
0: Coffee's nice. In in Fringe, uh, you've been discovering the problem with coffee in season three for the other... That was incredible. I said this to my girlfriend tonight and without too many, sp- just like, that's how you know it's the bad world. Speaking of Blackwater, that's how you know it's right. the bad world because they have coffee r- rations over there. That's yeah. that's the one way you know. And wasn't it cool they mentioned Dr. Jacoby? Have you seen oh, that yet? No, and you know what? That's probably, we're actually on like the third or f- uh, fourth of the third season. So it's coming right up, I'm sure.
2: Oh, okay. Look at that. I spoiled it for him, but it, it does. I've already know- seen
0: it. It's her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, because oh, I thought okay. that was
3: cool. They did He's a little. Be Terrence McKenna,
0: right? Isn't he supposed to be Terrence McKenna, basically, uh, Jacoby? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So you know the <laughs> Eye of God in the book that he writes, like a it's like a fictitious Castaneda endorsed like Jerry Garcia Stoner yeah. book. Mm -hmm. and so basically that's like um he's talking about like a real aboriginal experience that um, even mark frost recounts in his uh bushman book which is that his uh the basically the his forebear his mentor basically his mentor's mentor if i understand this in the 20s was doing what Castaneda was doing in the 70s so like people that inspired mark frost when he was younger these psychedelic shamanistic hippie types who would take different substances and try to cross those boundaries and take back those lessons from the other universe
3: mm-hmm.
0: whatever that is if be it be it be it wonderland or as uh, you may know alice in wonderland was originally called alice's hour in Elfland. so there, or another title was alice's hour underground and these are all hermetic this is all the same stuff coming back around mm-hmm. Terrence McKenna the psychedelic shaman talking about the other side that we can actually interact with Mm -hmm. and um, gosh like that's that's something I would think that we would be more as peakies like definitely like can I can I see the White Lodge can I see the Black Lodge you know
1: I I think that's in every part of the secret history the the other side it's not just in the Jacoby bits so I think with the Lemurians aliens they're talking about that because um, they they Lynch and Frost were going to write, weren't they, about before Twin Peaks, just before Twin Peaks, they wrote, uh, they were going to start a project called the L- Lemurians, and, they, and, that, and they're people who look like, uh, they're supposed to be aliens that look like humans, but we can't see them, they're just, we're just two coexisting uh, worlds, basically, that we can't see them, but, but I think that is, I mean, Evil has always been there. <laughs> evil has always been there, way, 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 way back. But what evil's happened real. with the evil, whole?
0: Evil's a real thing, though. Too. It's not. You nothing. Might, if you're going to write an will. entire show about it, I not,
1: think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think.
0: I'm, I'm a son of a preacher man, and I'm. I might be a little biased, and I understand that.
1: I think. Right. You, I think when you meet someone who is evil, you know it. I it's, think it's different to... It's a
0: remorselessness. It's, it's an indifference to life. It's a vampiricism, event. Yeah, I,
1: it's kind of... It, people who are p- really evil are empty. There is... And children really are prey it, for them. It. Yeah,
0: they... they I, let's not get too dark. I want to stop at this, like, precipice <laughs> before we go, hey, hey, you guys see that abyss? You know what's cool? Let's <laughs> just totally... You know what, Nietzsche? He's an idiot. Let's forget what... He, <laughs> so but that's that's a real thing and i think that the ultimate crux of why leland palmer had to do he was okay i'm mm-hmm. sensitive listeners we all know like mm-hmm. th- he was a pedophilic child incestual rapist like that's about as bad as a rap sheet gets i mean bad cops like chad not even close still bad but not close to bad dad like that that's about as heinous as and he i wonder he if- it more <laughs> I mean, no, Chats it's really, probably
1: hated. It and there are people, reason.
0: and there are people, there are people in this world that represent that, like not just Epstein Island
3: mm.
0: ritual, whatever. Because, like, I'm sure, I'm sure Frost would want to know about that too. And I'm sure, like, if he keeps writing about other stuff, that kind of stuff would probably weave its way in. Yeah,
1: Trump did. Before. Well, I
0: think Scott said it though. It's about that real struggle of being a genuine feeling good and bad, more or less like mixture of things, kind of person in the real good and bad struggle that we go through in the choice. Hopefully we make to do that upwards, like the two wolves. We know there's the native American thing about the wolves fighting, rather than the downward. We can choose that. I, I don't know. It, it's such a boring thing sometimes to say <laughs> that, but yet, Maybe there is something to melding them. Let's talk about what happens to Cooper and Diane. Uh, spoilers are way too late. Cooper and Diane in season three. Laura, maybe start us off. I'm sorry, Scott. I'm giving. I'm sorry, Scott. Don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Not yet. After the show. Um, what do you think about that? What happens? Like, there's a real kind of mm. alchemical do du- because you know he seems like he dug himself out of that universe. Mm. It's like, what do you think happens alchemically to Cooper? Who look, like, I'm feeding too much ahead of into the question. You know what I'm asking you. What do you think of this kind of
1: they're, like, yeah, well, there's their sex scene or, uh, no, or no, or or not for, or before
0: the, the the well, I guess that makes sense because they mating is like a joining. But I meant like what mm. his persona is like, neutral Cooper or yeah,
1: that. I think it's all of the all of the Coopers in one. That's what I'm
0: asking about. Yes.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, when he comes out of the, when Laura finally says you can go now and he starts to walk out and he opens the curtains and he goes, but just before he leaves, he kind of trips up just and he was walking exactly how Dougie Uh... walked. And it's as if all the three parts of him are coming together and that's who went out because he is still a seemingly good guy, but he's a, he's as cold as mr c and he's somewhere in there he's probably got well, well by that point doug Ian learned <laughs> about himself so he wasn't like a kid anymore he he, so he got back into the lodge so but yeah i think it's um i think it was more of the because i've always thought of the black lodge as your subconscious anyway it's your mind it's it's your dark side hmm. <laughs> uh, your subconscious self and so it's all every single person's got bobbing them somewhere, and it's whether or not you decide to to take those. The, it's every decision you make is going to be good or bad, isn't yeah. it? Or well, not always. There's, you could have those are different good ones, or those are different bad options. But you know, no, I
0: know <laughs> what you mean, though. They add up.
1: Whether which path you you take, um, yeah. so and I think it's just basically my theory. of Often peaks is that Coop broke. <laughs> His mind broke a bit, and he ended. The good part of him ended up in the Black Lodge, so, uh, waiting to come back out. You can't have both of them out at the same time. He had to fix his mind, basically, and I think that's what he did. And was, at the end of the
0: third, at the end of the third season, is that like um like a recapitulation of like another level of his evolution coming together?
1: I think I don't think he's ever gonna end. Yeah. For Coop, because I think he is brave enough to try and to every time he meets his dweller on the threshold, um, that he has met Laura with the white face and the light, and he could go on to an astral plane if he wanted to, but he chooses not to, because that's what theosophy tells you. If you don't go, if you go back to Earth, you have to keep on trying to do, to do your best for the humans left on Earth.
3: That's and I think the, that's
1: the yeah, that's what the, Coop would choose because he's not selfish.
0: He's a bodhisattva, like uh, the steely mm, dance. Yes, yes, steely yes, dancing's about. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Um, Scott, well, first of all, Laura, <laughs> I'm not gonna just go to okay, Scott, your turn. No, that was <laughs> that was insightful. And um, I think uh, that was it was very beautifully put. I'm trying to see if I can jump to the page where I um there's something about Jung, but you know what? I don't wanna be looking while Scott's talking either,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but um I'm going to actually just quickly, Scott, before I have you go, I would love to read this um, quote from, it's uh, called Full of Secrets. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you guys have this. Mm -hmm. It's the critical approaches to Twin Peaks. It's the only Twin Peaks book that Scott hasn't published. No, I'm just (laughs) saying. Um, I don't want to get myself in trouble here. Um, oh, yeah, I wrote it down like a smart boy, I am. Yay, Nate, Nate. Okay. <laughs> full of secrets. Uh, this way we can ask Scott, and I'm not going to be, um, dilly, you know, like Lost Highway putting labels on things. Um, it's page 118, and it says, um, excellent. All right, great. Um, let's see here. I said, Full of Secrets, uh, Mark's Frost, Depths of Insight. Oh, it's 141. Yes, I should you know what it was it was page 118 in women of lynch i have something but i'll save that for later uh not too long because i don't want to keep you up until you're starting to hallucinate over there laura i don't want to <laughs> and
1: i'm okay actually
0: you you're you are, you are you are um you are really providing a lot both of you guys are and i i, mm-hmm. I want to say thank you um this is a lot of fun and i'm not just buying time because i'm already at the page i need i just saying <laughs> thank you it says, when we are conscious, Jung says, we are our own masters. But when we step through the door of the shadow, we discover with terror that we are the objects of unseen factors. And that, like, explains, like, telephone telepathy. And my friend, who's a big Jung scholar, and the Black Books were just released. I cannot stress enough, Twin Peaks fans. A little fun kind of thinking knowledge is a podcast called Aon Bite. And they just released an episode about Jung's black books. Uh, I'm not trying to tell you to go listen to everything and anything, but the one peaky episode, I really got to say for the um, Twin Peaks fans, Aeon Byte will be in the show notes. It's about Jung's black books. And oh my goodness. So um, I just wanted to bring that quote into this and kind of like, there's no answers we're going to get to right now, but like there's some cool stuff to to add to that and chew on. So um, maybe now we could ask Scott what he thinks.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, my theory on season three is that Cooper is still sitting in that chair. And everything that we see is him piecing together his own brain yes. all the way. Like, I don't think he ever gets out of the Red Lodge. The, the Red Lodge, you don't call it the Red lo- the Red Room. <laughs> Black Lodge. I'm not gonna. Um, there's so many colors. Um, I I think even at the end when he does like the hand motions and he's supposed to really and then then um, Laura Dern is like oh it's really you and all that he's mm. still not out. I think it is a trap inside a trap and they're just continuing to trap him even when he gets her and goes to the Palmer House and what year is this? I think the re the reason he has a stupor is because. He's, he's gotten no farther okay. than we started. Okay. And I, I really thought that so early on, I actually think that the only thing that we see that's real is Hawk walking in the woods
3: mm-hmm.
2: when he sees those red curtains. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only time we ever went back to Twin Peaks
3: huh.
2: ever, everything that you see Mm -hmm. is part of Cooper. So in life, we feel love. That's Big Ed and and, um, Norma getting back together. If you're Agent Cooper, you were just in Twin Peaks. If you were trying to put love back into you to piece yourself back together, you would imagine that Big Ed and Norma would finally reunite. That would be such a beautiful moment of love in life there's death, that's why that little boy dies. And you know, so many people, I remember when that episode aired, so many people criticized the background actors because they were like, they didn't act like you really saw a boy die. And it's because he didn't really die. I mean, that little boy <laughs> didn't really die. This is Cooper dealing with death. Um, you know, you mentioned red and why doesn't that continue? Well, that's the mystical part of life. You know that's he's just a magician he's not a real character that's really getting in between shelly and bobby um and you know that's i believe that the reason that lynch does that is because then he doesn't have to deal with your crap that you're <laughs> bringing to twin peaks and all you know why don't you connect this story and where's little Nikki? where is little
1: Um,
2: you know he didn't have to continue that story in all those ways so that is my take on it it's it's about piecing yourself together and and you know there will never be a season four
0: Mm, I agree with that I'm
2: sorry I don't think
3: I I agree with you there
2: yeah but if there was it would just be something completely new because here's a clue. Cooper is done for, guys. He got <laughs> trapped in the Red Lodge. You don't, I, I can't believe I, I, I think keep calling it the Red he's- Lodge. What is wrong with me? He's dead. He doesn't. Uh, yeah, I, think I, I, think I think
0: he's dead. Okay. I think you're just trying to provide <laughs> a little bit of the backwards speak. Is he? Saying, <laughs> you're the audience is hearing that you're hearing him say that he's saying it correctly. You're just hearing backwards speak.
2: Uh, okay. Oh, there go. <laughs> See what I did um, there? So that has always been my theory about season three. And it really hasn't changed since whatever part they showed the key and it said reasonably priced. Yeah. Because. Mm. It wasn't yeah. reasonably priced. That was something that Cooper asked for. The great yeah. northern key exactly. wouldn't say that.
3: Yeah. And to yeah. me,
2: that is the piece of the puzzle yeah. that says, dude, this is Cooper's, mm-hmm. it's it's Cooper's memory. Not, not yours, not anyway. I'm sorry, what, what's her? What about Audrey? When she goes and she's just like, yeah, that didn't happen. That's him. That is him. Of course, Audrey's going to be a, a piece of a horrible puzzle for Cooper because while I don't believe he had sexual feelings for Audrey, he did love her in a parental, um, big brother way. Avuncular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I meant to use that word today. It was on my calendar. Of. Uh, <laughs> oh my of god, we
0: have the same calendar. Yeah, I guess we do. I mean, that's that bizarre, that man. Um, so I that thought I saw why you the, sneaking uh, out of my window the other end. That was weird. Well, I was like, that's not Scott Ryan. He wouldn't do that. Well, I
2: needed to know what the day was and what was I going to do? Google it.
3: <laughs> Very, so, polite. Um,
2: Very polite, thoughtful. That right. is, that to me is why the Audrey sto- story happens because she is in the most peril, the most, um, if you want to use a TV word, to be continued. Mm. story i mean really can you think of anyone else who has a cliffhanger in season three i mean no it's it's audrey
0: what about the girl um alicia does alicia DeWitt, sorry dewitt, DeWitt? how's it yeah no she's from worcester actually i think right she's from out in uh massachusetts mm-hmm. is that correct yeah she's like i used to live where she lives or is from um so she had a kind of cliffhanger scene though in a way didn't she like wasn't she up by the tree at the end wasn't that
2: i'm'm I'm, I mean, first of all, no one had an end to their story in all of season three, so I don't mean that I'm just saying that if you had to pick the greatest cliffhanger of season three from another character outside of Cooper, it would be Audrey. I mean, no one's story wraps up. So yes, I'm not saying the other stories wrap up because he's hmm. not put together yet. It, we, and he's never going to be. I mean, we yeah. lost our our Cooper.
1: Yeah, I think, I think he died a long time ago. <laughs> and if he, he may become Richard, his soul may live in another body or something, but he doesn't, he won't remember any of that.
2: No, he, you're not going to come out of there. I mean, look what happened to him in episode place? 29. You're not coming out of that.
1: Nope. <laughs>
0: So, let me ask you guys about owl cave. Do you guys know any places around in your own experience like that you've heard about like we have purgatory chasm in Massachusetts.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: do you guys know any owl caves that you would want to share with peakies in IRL for real exploring mm-hmm. for like real cave hunting or whatever.
1: Uh, I live in Wales. Sure. I live and I live by the sea. <laughs> so, so there's lots of lots of history here, lots of castles and all that. Um, but yeah, there there are a lot of caves around. me. You know, but we call uh, there's one called Brandy Cove, which is, I mean, it's mostly um, pirates and smugglers. Awesome. <laughs> there's lots of history of that, and yeah, because the pub I used to work in until COVID came and shut yeah. everything down. Um, really? <laughs> the uh, yeah, that that was a it was a 17th century pub, so it's really sounds old, nice, spooky and scary. But yeah, that used to be a place where all the smugglers would come in, come in on the shore, and, uh, awesome, and yeah, yeah, there was like a courthouse there and everything. So yeah, there's quite a lot in in Wales and in Swansea, and obviously there's lots, lots to do with fairies and elves and lots of ghosts. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere around. There, I mean.
0: We have Swansea over here. There's you know how Massachusetts <laughs> think, like yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scott you're about to see a uh, part and this is not a spoiler but a climax <laughs> of an episode will literally take place they didn't film it here just you know but you know how they do but the action takes place outside my window like of a friend it's no dude my town is the town where get this you'll love this Laura where Harry and the potters began, uh, The original this is what you say the origin of wizard rock that's a thing no no yeah things are weird. Uh, I mean, I don't need to tell you this. Um, so uh, what about you, Scott? What's a really, what's a, a haunted place or a, a magical owl cave place that you know of, or that you would like to share with the Peekies?
2: Well, first of all, I've been to Owl Cave. You can no, go no, really. there in LA okay. and I've walked through right where they did. I mean, we saw where, um, you know, you can, the camera shoots up when where they had the design and stuff like that. It's actually the Batcave. Uh, if you know the Adam West TV series, it's the same place. That's so cool, dude. That they they yeah. use the Batcave. And you can see the Hollywood sign right there. Like when you're looking at where the owl flies out, if you turn your head, there's the Hollywood sign.
3: <laughs> oh, so yeah, silly. That is cool. So which
2: like, is kind so of fun. But I actually when I was a little kid, my parents bought a house that was empty for 7 years oh. and no one would buy it because a guy murdered his wife and children in the house and no mm. the neighbors would never come in the house cuz they were all afraid but my parents were like this is a deal we live there.
3: <laughs> right on man.
2: And so I I lived in a haunted house and I remember that I had a dream that seemed like I had it every night when I lived there. And when we moved away, when I was 11, I never had the dream again. So I grew up in a haunted house. So take that.
1: Line. <laughs> well, actually, <Daries>. actually, <laughs> I do. When I when I moved to Swansea, when I was four, um, I moved from somewhere in England uh, into this big old house um, It's uh, built in 1905. My parents, they still live there. Big, big old house and the cellar used to be a cottage oh. the house has been built on top of that um so so i started and you know it's kind of common for small children to have imaginary friends uh especially when they've just done something like move house from somewhere so i had an imaginary friend Nellie Nellie Hebston weird name she, she had a full name. I could tell you exactly what she looked like. I could tell you what she looked like ahead. now. Go ahead. Go but I was, ahead. But, no, but really. I was four. What, did, what did she look like? So she was, she was about my age. I thought she was about five or six. She had auburn hair. She wore ringlets. She had like, little white socks. She had freckles. And she was a bit naughty. And she always used to get me in trouble. Nice. Because she, I'd put all my toys away at night. And then in the morning, they'd be all over the floor. So, and... The, um, and she also used to get me in trouble for peeling the wallpaper off the bathroom. Yeah. Oh,
3: no. and, and I
1: was like, it wasn't me. I had, because I used to really bite my nails. And they're still not great now, but I, I couldn't have scratched the wall because I, right. I always used to bite my nails, <laughs> but she used to get me in trouble for that. And I eventually, this is me as a little four-year-old. I told her, I don't want her in, around me anymore. You're getting me in trouble. I don't want you. And I never saw her again.
0: Yep. But, you banished her.
1: You, yes
0: basically years
1: years and years later I was at my mum or dad no I think it was my dad's 50th birthday party in Manchester where he grew up Mm -hmm. and my brothers were there and there's a big family gathering and somehow she came up and we were talking about my my um, imaginary friend and my brother Matthew is 11 years older than me so he was all he was going to college by the time I was four or five so I didn't have him in my house much at all when i was a kid i didn't really know him that well really right but, and so he'd never really heard the story because it wasn't something that we'd talked about a lot he didn't know me when i was four so i started telling the story of Nellie, and he went white and he said i have i saw her as well i used to see her all the time so my mum basically <laughs> and then started doing some uh um she looked into the house, the old, the house before it was built, 1905. She went through all the records. She does a lot of family history stuff anyway. And ah. she found out there was a little girl called Nellie who died aged five, <laughs> living in the house of tuberculosis. Oh, God so bless So I believe, and her, her neighbor's Nellie Evans. It wasn't Hebston, but my teacher's name at the time was Hebston. So obviously I put the two together and ah. I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard the word Evans probably yeah, before because it's it kind sounds... of Welsh. Um, and i wouldn't have known welsh and i and she was dressed in victorian clothing which i would never have known as a four-year-old i wouldn't have known i I can tell you now that she was wearing like a communion style dress and ringlets with ribbons that you just wouldn't wear in she might be buried in the (laughs) 1970s
0: you might get buried in a dress like that too so you could say that just like just a hot take like this had an objective reality outside Mm -hmm. of your own desire for it to exist
1: exactly yeah exactly yeah my brother had seen it and he yeah as i described her he honestly went white. <laughs> I, I he had never mentioned it before because he only ever yeah. used to come home from uni and things he didn't yeah but why would he ever again. bring and he an, it up well yeah. almost an adult as well?
0: right sure you know this is like tulpas you guys realize like mm-hmm. they're trying to they're trying to share enough like real weird while our lives are already weird, like it's weird <laughs> how we even exist in the first place. Like that's full stop, like Radiohead full stop. Just like, that's weird. But um, I think that what they're trying to do is really what's so powerful and perennial and that we can keep coming back to Twin Peaks. Just, it is this beautiful golden Laura that like, no matter where you're at, like sometimes it's horrifying. Sometimes mm. it's beautiful, but that is a, like as in magic, they say as above, so below, so what they've done is almost create a perfect crystal for us to play with as fans for the rest of our days. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, I think Scott's right. You could just keep or Laura's right too. And um, you know, uh, you could just, I don't think we'll ever come to a definitive, like this is what it is. It's going to always be just out of reach, just like the red lodge. I mean, the white, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a brat. Anyway. I know. Ah, look at that. I mean, look at Laura also <laughs> topping
2: my murder house story. No, well, she didn't. didn't. It's all good. I'm a no, Libra. No, I, they're no. both good. I'm a. No, Dexter. hers was better. And then her brother had to come in and know the person, too. It's this classic 25 years later. They gotta <laughs> outdo the
0: blue rose. Well, guess what? That's I think there's room for both of you. Yes, <laughs> of
1: course, there is. is. We
0: love each
2: other.
1: That's me. So maybe, I I I. Oh, go both. ahead,
0: Laura. Sorry.
1: I'm i I'm a both.
2: I, know. I know. I'm I just teasing her because that's what I do. <laughs> I why
0: don't know. Why don't we have a um a final like random like best like if there was a, ah uh, what's the I don't know if I want to say best scene I guess scene scenes are good let's go with best scene scene feels right, Laura would you please start us off and then Scott will go so you can't say that. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he he does know, because I just wrote about it for the Blue Rose, I think. <laughs> <laughs> which was that Sarah Palmer scene at the end of season, uh, it must be episode 17, I
2: think. 17.
1: Yep, 17, where she, you can hear a growling in the okay. background and she comes in screaming and then she smashes up the picture of Laura. I think that is the scariest thing that happened in season three. Oh. It was on par with Maddie's murder to me. I think it's terrifying. Yeah, I
0: don't really... <laughs>
1: It's the only time I was scared in I mean it was horrible bits like the boy getting killed and so on, but Sarah Palmer trying to destroy Laura, basically, because that was Laura, that's representative Laura picture, is her, isn't it? That's her face in the golden ball, is like that. That portrait is what everyone remembers of Laura Palmer. So she was trying and failing to to smash it. Eraser. Uh, exactly. Eraser. And I understand why, because my god, if you've lived with 25 years of bereavement, grief, and guilt and all of that, you would want to erase it. Um, but she well, now we know it's an eraser head dead.
0: reference. Is that a badge ju- eraser head? <laughs> no, that's oh, a good god. one. <laughs> no, no more puns for you. No. <laughs> god, I really I just killed everyone. I'm sorry. <laughs> a pun did it, ladies and gentlemen. A pun. <laughs> The, the the end is upon us. Oh God, that's oh way over. The, jumped up, jumped the shark on the pun. Okay, all right, Scott, what do you got for us?
2: Well, you know, I could pick a million. You know, it would just depend on what second you asked me. Sure, I know. Um, I'm going to pick from Firewalk with Me when Laura has her dream and she ends up in the picture. And she turns around. She's in the picture, and she's on the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's a ton of things I could pick. It was, it was close. I, I almost picked um, Leland dying in Cooper's arms, mm. but if I, because I think that's an incredible scene. Yeah, but I, yeah. there's something about that moment, and I'm actually doing a little research for something I'm writing on. And I was, I was, I watched that scene today, and I was like. That is so trippy mm-hmm. in such the most amazing way. Mm-hmm. And so, and it really struck me the first time, and it does every time. The, mm-hmm. I really, really, really like that. See, and the in the look that Shirley gives on her face of complete uninterest. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not afraid, she's not excited. It's nothing. She feels nothing.
1: Yeah. It's a bit like how when Diane sees herself at the motel. Again. Right. It's kind of blank. It's like, yeah, I've I've done this before. <laughs> Don't care. This, right, idol, we this, would this, this freak out. Yeah, we were. She's so used to it. She's like, yeah, I've done this. Before. It feels like I know this is part of what happens next. I leave this version of me behind. I go over here. We do this. This is something that we just it's like do.
0: scientific or something almost. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like this woman standing on a threshold. And If you think that there's audrey and charlie scene where he actually tells her "You here on the threshold you're gonna yeah. do this there's so many things that's about brilliant. that and, like things that there's people that are meeting their their selves basically well, that's a great world. catch so
0: think, that's a great catch laura on um, the threshold thing and especially he doesn't have a crystal ball or anything no but um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta say that one thing that uh, as as a practicing uh, magician, I don't know. It's 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 a, it's a word. It's not mm. sufficient, but it's a word. And um, I, I I gotta say that really what struck me is a continuity between the um, secret history talking about all the Area Fifty One and what we mm. think. Know about Roswell and stuff like that, and honestly, I don't have any answers. I just I like stuff that makes me question. And anytime you tell me you have the answer, I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> but um, I I, I think what we have a big hint of, like a hello hint, uh in this continues over to the ghost in the box kind of like the the I, I call it. See, I, I'll Sorry. I'll. I'll Well, I'll use the term that from the, there's actually a weird tool song that uses a title called Thiop de Olad, and I'm not going to get into the myriad of meanings, but it's an Enochian song. It's in the angelic John D, who, by the way, was the real queen philosopher magician, who was known as 007. So that's where 007 comes from. Is I'm putting my hand over the eyes for the this is not a visual show for the audience. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Make it stop. Just put the pause <laughs> button and look at the floor, you'll be okay. Um, so <laughs> the point is is that when you look at like um the alien thing flying out of the screen, and like actually, that's tantric or sex magic activated behavior. So obviously, you know, oops, suddenly this room's open. So the billionaire coordinated their behavior enough to know that they were going to do this kind of thing and Basically, it's the same stuff. I wanted to connect that for any Peaky out there. Look into when they're talking about the work of Jack Parsons. Mm. And then I want you to look at those tool lyrics talking about a precursor to the space program. Because the language used is for the for the peaky and lots of us are like mysteries. I, I think all of us are like a little bit into the like detective. We're all the little bit Dale Cooper trying to put it together, like Tamara or anyone there. And basically, I'm like, wait, did my yeah, she's seen it like That's not one you want to ruin for anyone. Um yeah, we all try to put it together. And I think that um, you know, while we won't, I think what we come away from at the end of this conversation is a greater a Slightly a little bit more whole ish feeling, but hey, there's always tomorrow and so um any last words before we um jump ship for this time, Laura and Scott do you, Laura start us off?
1: um i I think we should wonder what do you think David Lynch has got up his sleeve? <laughs> what do you think this new Netflix show is Scott? That's
2: cool. you know i I never ever guess what David lynch is <laughs> that's do. smart
3: it's yeah. rabbit seven uh,
2: that's that's a really bad idea i will say that i'm very excited for him me to do too. something new any lynch art is art i want to consume and i was talking to my good friend brad dukes about this and he asked me a similar thing and i said you know what i'm gonna get excited for the unrecorded night the night before Mm. it airs and that's when I'll get excited for it. (laughs) And until then I want David to do what David does and I'm going to leave him be Mm. and just wait for it and let it unfold for me. Um, So, and so she gets to ask me a question. I'm going to ask her, <laughs> what are you guys doing for 25 years later for February? Give they're common. They're, a common
0: they're commandeering during my site, my, my show. I <laughs> not I think, I think we're all equal on this boat. So go ahead. I, I want to I hear the answer to this.
1: Uh, yeah. We've been doing something new every day. Uh, we've had, well, we've gone through basically the first and the second seasons, every episode, um, several different writers including Brad Dukes funny uh here uh, Andy Hageman and uh, all the guys the normal writers from 25 years later great people and yeah so we've all written about each episode basically that'll take us through to the 28th of February and they've also all been recorded narrated a lot of them by me unfortunately <laughs> um and we've got videos that, uh go along with them as well which have been done by our new multimedia person mitch who's just been amazing he's just come in and just yeah done a brilliant job and we sort of learning on our feet because we've never had a YouTube channel before but we do now have a 25 years later YouTube channel.
0: They will be so, in the show notes to all of these. The yes. blue, um what's oh, the great. Blue Rose magazine? Is that a the blue rose is that a uh-huh. <laughs> We'll have all of those. Thanks Scott honestly thank <laughs> you for asking that I would not have known to ask that. So <laughs> um I think that was really actually um is there anything else that we should like think of for um show links or anything like that is there uh, scott do you have any new projects coming out
2: um i have a moonlighting book that's coming out june 1st it's an oral history of moonlighting yeah um it's done it's you know on its way to the printer and that is a very exciting moment for any writer. This will be my third television book. So I'm excited about that. And uh, we have issue 15 of the Blue Rose is out right now, which is called Scenes from Twin Peaks. And the cover is, is worth the price of admission. It's a beautiful, beautiful cover. It. Uh, but it's also a really good Twin Peaks Issue, you know, so many times we've we've got caught up in trying to bust some theory, and this issue really doesn't do that. This is just twenty-eight really good scenes that that really good writers write about, including Laura Stewart, and um, <laughs> it's a, it's a good issue. So that can be you can get that at BlueRoseMag.com, and my other books are at um, Fayetteville Mafia
0: Press or Scott Ryan Productions.com. Thank you so much, Scott. And Laura, why don't you uh, remind us of the 25.
1: Yeah, so that is years 25yearslatestsite.com as well, and the sister sites of horrorobsessive.com and sports. I, said, oh, I can't say that. Sportsobsessive.com as well, if you like that kind of
0: thing. I can put all <laughs> of these. these well, there's more than enough to uh, keep yeah. people a few centuries down the line but you know oh we're all, yes we're all living I, forever these days so what do yeah. i what do i even know <laughs> right.
1: I, i've actually taken a year off writing not writing i'm just uh, tidying up the website now, it's so been that's my job
0: <laughs> it's been super lovely having both of you here this <laughs> evening i'm really grateful to meet both of you like this i Thank hope you. we can do more in the future um for now I think good (laughs) night thank
2: you
1: yes thank you very much thank you it was
2: great to meet you both (laughs) and Laura hopefully maybe we'll talk again sometime I don't know I
1: hope so I know you were supposed to come over here this year or last year but couldn't
0: so oh well he's wearing the green instead so maybe you'll have to (laughs) What's my Twin Peaks hat well I was thinking of Freddie coming over we didn't even mention Freddie. that was the one character I meant so I mentioned (laughs) him at the end and right so he's in there Maybe we can talk about this another time, guys. Yeah, of course. All
3: right.
0: So I hope you guys had a good time. Oh, it was great. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for listening to the Six of Cups. (laughs) Thank you so much. You are the best looking audience I have ever had. I hope that I've brought my golden shovel to you and that now you have your own. Thank you for listening to the Six of Cups.